Off the ball. You two lads are from Leinster, so it's no wonder you're given out of the provincial championship. I don't want to take away the provinces. Who drew the geographical line back in the day? It's because of the way that the provinces are broken up. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Very good morning. Welcome along to Tuesday morning's OTB AM. It is the 27th of June, it's hard to believe. And it's Johnny Ward, it's hard to believe. Good morning, Johnny. Well, it's hard to believe you're saying hello. We were, we're at Beyond the Pale and you just snubbed me. Jojo, our producer, literally told you I was there and there was no selfie with old John. Kathleen McNamee, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Shane. <laughs> Moving simply along. Snubbed again. No, uh, so, How did I miss you? So what that? actually happened here was... How did I miss you? I met Jojo, of course, twice. At uh, Beyond the Pale in Glendalough. The 4G, as you know, Johnny, was abysmal. There's a story uh, behind that. I couldn't even. I, 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 the only text I got out all weekend was Father's Day text to my dad on Sunday. Because I, I was like, I have to find, have to find That's somebody. not too bad, to be fair. Yeah, it was oh, the only nice. text. Most so important I, one. Exactly, and I, it meant I wasn't on my phone all weekend, which was nice. Um, but I did find out from Jojo on Sunday that, that Johnny Ward was, in fact, somewhere. Well, Jojo and I met in the, in the family section. Of right, the, where the, the family camp section now, Jojo and I have like zero All Ireland's our kids between us, right? Right, but right. We, we met in the family section, and it turns out, so I did the tour like after setting up my tent, which I need a lot of help to do. Yeah, so got the tent set up, counting down to the Ireland game in Athens, and I was like, I'm just going to sleep under like a, a blanket of a tent here because I just I'm getting frustrated here. But my mate came over, got it done, and then I did a tour of the <laughs> campus, and there was, you couldn't even send a text message. No, it was, was like nothing. 4G was that bad, and this is the first world problem. I was, I was like, I'm not going to be able to watch the game here. Yeah. So I went back to the tent and did another kind of tour of, of it, and the, 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 the family section where the families, families, mm. I suppose, camp, was right on the edge, and the 4G worked, so I could watch the game. I was like, this is perfect. Ireland are going to have this historic like uh. victory uh, in Greece, and then I have like a three-day festival to look forward to. Didn't yeah, quite work out like that. I, I ended up just avoiding the early match. I said, you know, the 4G is impossible here. I'm not going to get to watch it. So, gave up on it. And I was glad when I saw the result come in. I was like, yeah, well, you glad. Clearly didn't miss much. How would you, no. you, did you not want us to win? Of course I wanted. Sorry, glad that I that I had missed a dismal okay, yeah. uh, defeat. You know, and well, I didn't dismal. get to watch it live. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things. Johnny, I'm going to. I'll, I'll be going to other festivals this summer. We'll, Where we'll are you going? All together now. Yeah, I went to the first one and uh, the second one. I haven't been back. Was it the third one? I haven't been back since, but I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Getting a bit old for festivals, but... It's not easy, is it? No. I'm, I'm thinking of up- upgrading... You had a nap yesterday, you were saying. Yeah, I was, nap that, was that just went on. We had an afternoon nap. Does anyone else have an afternoon nap? Put I mean, in fairness, it. considering the hours that we work, it's not that strange. It's true. And also, I don't, I find it really hard to go to bed on time, so like, yeah. I end up What's staying... What's on up. time, Kathleen? Well, like with this, when you're up at the sort of hours of this job, you kind of need to be asleep by like nine ten. Whereas I'm just not the sort of person who's ever gone to bed that early yeah. in my life. So I always end up being tired in the mornings, having a nap in the afternoon, and then staying up a little bit later. Th- those in the people evening. that get up at six but have gone to bed at ten and get their eight hours in, I, I don't understand I can't how, do it. how they can physically do it. I can't play, do it can. Sometimes if I don't nap and push myself through, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, it takes a bit of takes a bit of work. Mm. Johnny Galway. Uh, I'm sorry to bring it up but we have to bring it up I was watching it with my Dunmore father at the weekend he was uh, as upset as I'm sure you were with this Mayo game um, yeah, we were talking about it earlier Like the, the lead at half time probably just wasn't significant enough to, to keep Mayo at bay and 
I'm not going to say the better team won, but it was one of those games that could have could have gone either way. And Jesus, poor Joyce looked dejected at the end. Yeah, I remember actually it all together now watching goalie be clear in the hurling there and um, the buzz that that was. And um, you know, I'm just thinking there on the by the weekend after next is a, yeah, there's a likely goal will be out of both championships. Mm. And the football was really disappointing because I, I actually think this Galway team is so so close. And you know. Porrick Joyce said that this year was basically a, a poor year for Galway um, and I think when you think of the circumstances against them um, just the injuries that befell Comer and particularly Comer and Kelly at a time when they sort of needed at least one of them and Kelly like I couldn't believe Sean Kelly was playing that's how important yeah. he is considering his ankle was he targeted we can debate that maybe um, Brian O'Donoghue's stamp looked um, for all intents and purposes it looked bad if, I'm if not going to make a judgement because I know players are like yeah you better believe conversations happen in dressing rooms. If if you know if you if they hear Kelly's injured or Comer's injured, you, you, they know exactly where on their body they're injured, and they know if it's an ankle injury, which ankle is injured. Like, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, if they were intent there, I think that's disgraceful stuff, really. I do because you, the, Mayo and Galway there's a real rivalry, but there's sportsmanship as well, and you yeah. just don't you just don't do that. No, you know, so I mean, I, again, I'm speculating. I don't, I don't know if it were intent, and um, the, you know, the video I saw of it wasn't very clear. But I mean, if I, I don't know, I, I, I couldn't stoop to that, um, especially for a player that was was through the pain barrier for his county, playing. He's played an amateur game, like, and Sean Kelly's been phenomenal this year. He was well on the way to Player of the Year nomination. Yeah, um, but the game itself, I mean, it's down to Shane Walsh really in the first half. Shane Walsh's kicking was so poor in the first half, mm-hmm. like, and absolutely. One in a hundred miss from a free that you just don't miss, and that like that that five point lead at half time, I was nowhere near confident that that was going to be enough because the wind was Salt Hill is is a horrible place when it's windy, and it was not only was were you against the wind, but the ball was totally veering off left and right, and you saw that in the second half, and I thought always showed great courage, but very disappointing, Shane, to be honest. Yeah, I should mention that Ren, Ren, I don't know who will play against Dublin this weekend, so the CCCC were look to look at that incident, but the uh, as you say, Johnny, the video is fairly inconclusive. Mm. Uh, and that's what they've decided. So any disciplinary charge looks highly unlikely. So if it had captured the whole incident and everything had been seen and exactly where he targeted, maybe something would have come of it. But uh, as things stand, I don't know who will will be free to play to play Dublin this weekend. The draw, by the way, for for the quarterfinals this weekend is cracking. Like I know, yeah, it's getting going. It's just amazing. Mm. And, and of course, they're going to try and avoid repeat pairings. I think again in the semi-finals, a bit of an open draw. So. Remains to be seen how that's gonna how that's gonna go. There's an element of like how Galway ended up in this situation in the first place. The whole you know the permutations in the final round of the round robin and the Armagh game, which again, um, like a lot of this is down to Shane Walsh. Like unfortunately, because yeah. Shane Walsh's performance last year in the All Ireland final is without a shadow of a doubt one of the best individual performances I've ever seen. But he hasn't had a good year. He's been very hit and miss. Is that because of Kilmacud, the tired? The um, he went on holidays, the Kilmacud thing, I don't know. Um, people would say when he came back from holidays, he wasn't quite at the same level. Respectful here. But Shane's getting to the stage now where he's it's he's in his 30s. Like, so it's this was he doesn't have that many more chances left. And Shane Walsh this year um, was disappointing for Galway for whatever reason. And I, I honestly couldn't get over how... In act, like the, Mayo showed in the second half if you with that wind if you just basically are vaguely on target the ball just goes over the bar from 40 to 50 yards yeah. Shane Walsh was missing from 30-35 yards with that wind in front of the post as well in front like. of the post it was like this is just bizarre and his kick in the second half was relatively good but the 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 game was up at that stage for Galway really it was real Hail Mary stuff at the end and um, unfortunately Shane because he's that good a lot of the pressure will be on him and he didn't deliver Any, last sorry. night on PM they were saying that it's the longest season that he's ever played in mm. terms of like 
club and county, and that he looked tired. I can't remember who it was. It was Cullen Boyle and... He looked drained. Didn't score from play. Yeah. But also, is there not a thing as well that like Mayo were kind of there for the taken to at several points and Galway just didn't push on and that like you look at the kickouts alone. Mm. Like Mayo had a ridiculous amount of ball left behind them mm. and for some reason Galway, even in the second half, like those stats didn't improve. It's just that they had the wind but I, I I don't know everyone keeps talking about the wind and I know that was a big factor but I also think that like Galway also just didn't kind of go for the jugular when they could have yeah well Killy McDade missed a great goal chance that's um, you know and it was kind of almost as easy to create a goal chance as a point chance with that wind so yeah. it's like and again Sean Kelly and hugely instrumental despite the fact he could barely walk and at that stage had been actually hit like yeah um, but that McDade, you did you did get the feeling if if Killian scores that and it's just it's a goal chance he hit the target it was missed mm. after that like Mayo got a goal so early in the second half I thought Galway showed great courage like I really felt I said to my family like if Galway get out of this we'll win the All Ireland because like the, the the challenge they've set themselves here but yeah. I don't know I, I was it was really really disappointing because I I felt um, just so much went against Galway on the day and even at the end I think of the TV they described the last couple of plays as almost beach ball esque with mm. ball just hopping around and I still felt like Galway are going to get a goal here. Mm. I, I thought Mayo should have managed it better, like really, because yeah. when when they when they got what two three points up, there were three points up um, with twenty minutes score with that win or whatever it was. I mean, just win the game, and they they really they just make it hard for themselves. They do. A brief word on the hurlers. You didn't sound optimistic there. You said. No, no. I I I think um, Limerick are heavy favourites. I I think Limerick all year have shown like after what five games Limerick's points difference is plus three so they've every single game they've been pushed and I think they're just going to the well maybe that one time more often um, I know their bench um, has kind of gotten them out of jail a bit but I think Limerick are, are there for the take and collateral form has been a bit weird because mm. like Clare absolutely like Clare blitzed Dublin before the Galway tip game and like Dublin should have beaten Galway in, in Croker so I'm like I know Dublin weren't um, they didn't have their best team out but like I was like collateral form suggests Munster is a bit ahead here Galway were a lot better than Tip then so it was, yeah. it was kind of weird but I, I think Galway have a really really good chance against Limerick I really do I think we're getting there and, and it's great we've something to look forward to it's going to be a cracking game for sure uh, 7.39am on this uh, Tuesday morning's OTBM 7.40am in fact OTBM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back in the on-night edition available now here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock on this morning's show uh, Tommy Rooney will be joining us in 15 minutes or so for his updated power rankings he was getting a raft of abuse from Monaghan fans ahead of the weekend's game and uh, since the weekend's game as well uh, so will remains to be seen will they move up in this morning's power rankings and uh, how will the top five be looking as well ten past eight Andy Moran uh, to talk the year with Leitrim but also talk Mayo last weekend and look ahead to the game against the Dubs half past eight Vinnie Perth uh, talking last night's League of Ireland he was at uh, Tallis Stadium for Shamrock Rovers win over, over Derry City 8.55am we'll have the sports news John Cleary the Cork senior football boss will join us at nine to talk the win over us common uh, they've had a brilliant year so far and of course look ahead to their All-Ireland quarterfinal against Derry this coming Sunday uh, random one for you Mirko Bergamasco the former Italian international uh, 9.20 he's uh, playing for Nantes GEA in Britain. this came on France. the run order I was like what is going on here it's bizarre uh, this is phenomenal I, stuff I can't wait to get into it with him because uh, it's just uh, one of those stories like is that is that right uh, but it is right Mirko Bergamasco will join us at 20 past 9 this morning on the show before all that Kathleen you've had um, I'm sure a number of sleepless nights on this mm. today is the day that 
the Irish players find out if they will be heading to the World Cup with uh, the decision made by, by Vera Pau at this stage you'd imagine and of course we'll all find out tomorrow I think 11am tomorrow is the press conference but we're expected yeah. to find it slightly earlier maybe generally they release these things like half an hour or something before she actually speaks to the press so by sometime between 10 and 11 tomorrow we will know who are, is going to the World Cup it's, it's a really really hard one isn't uh, it when you're uh, I was talking to so many people about this last night and just how many of us are saying like we feel sick at the idea because like when you follow a team that closely and like obviously yeah the highs of Hamden Park and you know the lows of not qualifying for the Euros you know so many of these players have been on such a journey with this squad and like there's so much history and there's so much grit and determination has gone into even getting us to a place where like we're treated fairly within the FAI Mm -hmm. and so many of these players have been part of that and it goes beyond a little bit of just supporting a team or following a team. So even last night, everyone I was talking to who was trying to do something similar for various different papers or stations, everyone was just like, this is so painful and I hate it and I feel sick. And we were like, God, if we feel like this, <laughs> it doesn't actually matter in the grand scheme of our right, lives. Kathy, here's who your, goes or not. Here's your uh, woman management then. So you're Vera Pau. How do you tell the relevant players that, uh, yeah, sorry, you're not on the... How do, how do you do one-to-one, give them a call? You could try. I don't even know how you start that conversation. Mm. We asked her about it uh, last week um, before the Zambia game and she said that. So initially, everyone that was in or out of the preliminary squad, she called them just because of the way people were scattered around the place. But because everyone is centralised for the camp, she is going to tell every person individually whether they've made it or not. I, th- I think you have to rip off the, the bandage here, don't you? You just have yeah. to say you're in. Well, this is out. the thing, because Sorry. like originally the announcement wasn't supposed to be until Thursday, and it's now been brought up to Wednesday just to kind of save everyone an extra 24 hours of pain. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see who's in there. Like, There's always going to be people who are disappointed, and the unfortunate thing is that like there's some veteran players in there who might be disappointed. Mm. Um, but hopefully... We will. It'll all be worth it because we will go over and we will get some results, mm. and they will be able to enjoy that even a little bit. I remember the, the Shivan Rovers underage days. Like the the management team had a very distinct style, telling you if not you were playing. Like there'd be a black plastic bag with all the jerseys, which would be left on the floor near the door of the dressing room, and the manager would go in, look at the number, and just literally hurl it at the lad that was oh. playing that position. So you were just like. Please let a jersey smack me in the face here shortly. And when it did, the buzz, that feeling was like he believes in me again. Yeah. And now, first, it was only 11. I was like joking he, at the end of last week that Vera Powell was going to do full like X Factor, you know, where they're at judges' houses uh, and they have the photographs of everyone on the table, and you're kind of like, "I want this one," and then Tom Elms is like, "No," and like kind of scooches it off oh, the table. Yes. I don't think they're going to be that dramatic about so it. But it I like to imagine it would be exciting that way, to be fair. But um, yeah, Vera, I, I'm sure we'll do it in, in the uh, most noble way possible. It's not an easy decision. So it's essentially what cutting 33 players to 23 plus three standby. Yeah, essentially. Um, obviously, we didn't have the couple of uh, American players in the squad because they are still playing. The NWSL season is still ongoing at the moment. Um, so they weren't there, but they're due to fly in Thursday, I think. Mm. So in time for France next week. So we've asked you to pick your squad that you... 
Is this is this your squad? Kathleen as well. Like she's had to make some. Oh, this is tough. I mean, she's she's like alienated people in relationships here forever more now. Yeah, that didn't make true. a cut. Like, yeah. but is this the squad that you think will go, or the squad that you would have picked if you were Vera Power? Uh, it's closer to the squad that I think Vera will pick than okay. the squad I would pick. So, for example, I've included all the American players, whereas I don't know would I have included them if I was doing my own squad. Right. Um. So for the goalkeepers, pretty self-explanatory. I've Three cor- instead of four. Yeah, Courtney Brosnan, Grace Maloney, Megan Walsh. Um, I think it'd be stupid to bring four goalkeepers. I think like Courtney Brosnan's going to start every match bar something terrible happening, which Touchwood it does not. And even then, we have enough cover with Grace and Megan. Uh, for our defenders, I've Anya Gorman, Nifahi, Louise Quinn, Megan Campbell, Ethan Mannion, Chloe Mastaki, and Diane Caldwell. The one I probably struggled there with the most was Diane Caldwell about whether or not she made the squad and I think I maybe went a little bit with my heart over my head in that one. Who, um, who would the alternatives be there if she wasn't to make the squad? Well, see, so you could stick like Hayley Nolan in there, Jamie Finn as well sometimes can play in the back. You also have the, I also think that like chances are like Megan Connolly have played in the defence quite a bit so even though she's down as a midfielder here and she played in midfield against Zambia she also sometimes does slot into um, that back four so I mean I think realistically she's mostly done that whenever Megan Campbell isn't there but we still don't know entirely how fit Megan Campbell is yeah. um, she hasn't been in the main squad she's kind of just been training separately to the squad and then Isabel Atkinson came in and took her place in the hotel and stuff um, because she said she wanted to recuperate at home um, so it'll be a little bit dependent on how fit she is but she seems to be more doing return to play protocols rather than you know is actually injured and not playing so you've gone for seven midfielders and six forwards. You might run us through the, the, the remainder of it, then we can maybe pick it apart. Yeah, so midfielders are Kenny McCabe, Denise O'Sullivan, Megan Connolly, Lily Ag, Sinead Farley, Rusha, Little John, and we have Lucy Quinn in there as well. And then forwards, Heather Payne, Amber Barrett, Kira Carusa, Abby Larkin, Marissa Shiva, and Leanne Kiernan. And then my reserves are Kira Grant, Hayley Nolan, and Jamie Finn. Kira Grant, I really did struggle over leaving out. Uh, that was one that I changed my mind on three times on the walk. It took me from Jervis Lewis stop to the office this morning. So, uh. <laughs> and if you'd had Kira Grant in, who was the who was the, um, the well, twenty three number twenty three in the squad? Basically, yeah, I, it was kind of between her and Diane, even though they play slightly different. So, like generally, Kira plays more in midfield, but she can also provide that defensive cover. And then obviously, we saw her as well uh, in the Zambia game, getting the assist for Amber Barrett for her goal. So she also, I talked to her about that afterwards and she was saying that she could hear everyone on the bench screaming at her to get back. But she, whenever she plays with her club, she does play in that slightly attacking role sometimes as well. So, um, yeah, I think. And also she, like, Kira's just been involved in, like, nearly every squad over the last couple of years. Like, she's not always a traditional person who starts, but she does come on quite a bit as a substitute and I yeah I just felt as someone again that was a bit of a head versus heart one and I think she did really show in the Zambia game what she can provide but also I haven't been at training sessions for the last couple of weeks so that's the other thing I don't fully know what Vera is seeing Um, the other thing about Vera she doesn't uh, she doesn't utilize that many members of her playing squad does she oh not at all like 
I'm pretty certain we're going to go to this World Cup and agonise over this 23 and maybe 15 people will actually play right. while oh. we're there. Um, like she doesn't, if you look at, say, against Scotland, like there was only one substitute, like in big games, she so rarely makes substitutes in particular. So I would be very, very surprised if we're seeing more than like two people come on, especially in that first game. That seems anomalous nowadays as well. Yeah, like I think because we don't necessarily have the strength and depth and like our starting 11 generally doesn't rotate all that much unless there's a change or an injury um, in in certain players' performances. She generally likes to stick with who she knows and doesn't like changing things around too much. That's kind of problematic as well because for competition for places, you need that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like You can't kind of have it in the back of your head, well, I'm going to be playing here and you know, I'm probably in a relatively safe position. Yeah, well, I think because... We've never had, uh, I suppose, players that are playing, like a raft of players that are playing at a particularly high level. And I think it'll be very interesting over the next couple of years that we're seeing more of a trend of players going abroad than we possibly have in more recent years, how that's going to affect, you know, how the team sets up and how the team plays. Like, even if you look at, say, Jesse Jesse Stapleton and Izzy Axenson, like all young players coming from the league and now going over to play in England. Obviously, Izzy and Jess are already over there, but um, I think it'll yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see if she can keep those younger players interested. Like, there was a lot of anger among... Like, I wasn't all that surprised with the Premier League squad when it was released, but there was a lot of anger from, like, people who would follow grassroots, like, Irish football here that there wasn't more people based in the league involved even just in the general pre- <coughs> preliminary squad. Never heard this before. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then like Vera did kind of bring more players in as it went on and I was even surprised that like say the likes of Erin McLaughlin and Taro Hanlon were involved. Um even though I like I know they're some of the best young players in the league, I just thought that Vera wasn't all that interested in them for this particular camp. Um and they both provided a very good showing of themselves in the Zambia game by all accounts. So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how the trends go over the next couple of years in particular. I think, like, I would love that the FAI had some sort of structure in place where they were, I don't know, teaming up, teaming clubs here, up with clubs in, like, mainland Europe and stuff, just mm-hmm. that players were getting that added experience. And I know that's something that has to, like, there has to be the money there to develop it. But, um yeah, I think a, a decent semi-pro league and then also decent opportunities in the States, whether it's scholarships or also to go to mainland Europe, just to make sure that our players are versatile and their style of play would be a really good step in the future. Here's one for you, Kathleen, and I'm throwing you on the spot here. Let's say we finish second in the group, mm-hmm. then we play the winner of Group D, which we expect to be England. Mm-hmm. That game would be the 7th of August in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. The game finishes level, it goes to extra time, it goes to penalties. Which of those five players are taking the Irish penalties Who's the, well, who are the first five up uh, more obvious I guess Katie Denise Megan Connolly depends you have to I, give Amber one now don't you well see this is, I was just about to say Amber Barrett but then also when I asked her about will she be taking penalties in Australia she's like I think I've taken two penalties in my career and I've scored one and missed one which is <laughs> a great scored the most recent one which yeah. is all that matters 
We'll give her and probably Megan Campbell. Okay. Just in terms of, I know she scored a couple for Liverpool before, I think. And she's also quite good at set pieces. So yeah, that would probably be my choices. What's Courtney Brosnan's? She like on penalties. Quite good. Haven't seen, yeah. Yeah. Um, like she's not, she as good as you can be in penalties, I suppose. Mm. I think she's um, really up to her game across. I mean, the Zambia game, that triple save she made in the second half was absolutely insane. So yeah. it was like one right in front of goal and then she was over to like the left side of her goal and then back over to the right side and like every single ball touched her last and then she managed to gather it. And I was just like, this is a totally different person to the goalkeeper that we had a couple of years ago. So yeah. I think I was reading in, I don't remember, well, it was like one of the papers the other day saying that she's almost become as important a pillar in this team as the likes of Katie and Denise. And I actually think that's a very, very accurate statement yeah. um, because you look at Megan Walsh and Grace Maloney in the season they've had, like Reading getting relegated, Brighton not doing all that great, both of them being dropped at various different stages. Courtney's been dropped and like is fighting Emily Ramsey, who's a really talented young English goalkeeper for a starting spot at Everton. But still, whenever she pulls on that green jersey, pulls off some pretty impressive saves. And so I don't know how mentally she's kept herself in that sort of space for nearly two years of yeah. not having a proper starting position. But uh, she deserves all the credit she can get. Yeah, she seems mentally strong for sure. And it's good to be heading into a World Cup with a, an actual definite number one. There's no... Uh, I guess discussion around the goalkeeper Emma reminded me here she saved the penalty in Hamden mm. against Caroline Weir of course before Emma Barrett scored that, that famous goal So not too many people save Caroline Weir shots so. you know, <laughs> especially from 12 yards um, so yeah that's that's something to look forward to I mean we might not ever get the chance to go to penalties but at least it's something to look forward to uh, I don't know if I want us to it seems no, like the idea of it unbearable. seems far too stressful unbearable I'd we, just be glad at that stage I wouldn't be doing like a match report that I'd just be reporting back on yeah. radio cause I remember doing some during the Euros last summer and penalties such a stress for writing up your final oh copy God. yeah because the, the whole notion and, and uh, angle of the report has changed uh, with, with one or two kicks um, we have a road show as well tomorrow night at the Mountain House as well so that's, this is the I guess the going away party for the for the team itself. Kind of glad that the team announcement was brought forward because <laughs> this was so it was originally scheduled for Thursday morning. Yeah, which would have meant that the the Mansion House going away party would have been a little bit interesting. Muted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it should be nice. Like, there's going to be lots of uh, their family members there, and I know some lucky off the ball listeners have won tickets to come along as well because it's technically a behind closed doors event. So whoever those lucky people are. Fair play to you. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, they're all the players that have made the squad are being put up for interview on Thursday morning. So we will have myself, Nathan and Ashling out in UCD, I think that is, chatting to all, well, trying to chat to all 23 players in the space of an hour, not to <laughs> tell you too much about what goes on behind the scenes, but we have an hour to get around the entire squad, so... It'll be a bit like speed dating or something, yeah, I think. <laughs> no easy task there. But at least they'll all be in happy moods and mm. buzzing those 23, you'd imagine. Yeah. Also just to say as well, for anyone who missed it, a lot of talk about Aoife Mannion and her status at the moment. Mm. She um, was seen getting on an Aer Lingus flight yesterday and also no longer has the leg brace on. So Ooh. it'll be curious. There's been a lot of talk about whether she should be included in the squad or not. So I'll be interested to chat to Vera if she is or isn't there about where she's at. 
She should definitely have kept the leg brace on for the flight, though. <laughs> it's looked after so well when you have, like, the little <laughs> ailment. Everyone just holds it off you. Yeah. I thought you were going to say something about the pressure in the cabin. You know, it's good <laughs> for the... <laughs> yeah, he just meant for the, for the flight comfort. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Kathleen, great stuff. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that uh, squad and see how it compares to, to Vera's final squad, ultimately, when we see it, hopefully by half ten, eleven tomorrow morning. Thanks so many, Kathleen. Thank you, guys. Uh, 7.57am on this Tuesday morning's OTBM. It is time... For the power rankings. Some of these critics, these pundits. Generally speaking, I'd be a fan of off the ball. Exactly. And like Tommy knows his football, obviously, listening to football at the odd time. And I was looking at the power rankings and I thought that Jesus Owen must still be feeling the effects of these motions. But they just dismiss you like, you, you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion. Tommy Rooney, come in. Good morning. How are things? Good morning, Shane. Good morning, Johnny. How are we? I'm good. Are, are we just flying through the first two screens? There's, of course, no change to, to 33 to 25 or 24 yeah. to 17. Yeah, as you were. So, um, Tatchin Cup semi-finals at the weekend, down uh, the 16th-ranked team, put eight goals past Leash, the 22nd-ranked team, and Mead, the 17th-ranked team, just about Bet Antrim, the 19th-ranked team. <laughs> I think it's safe to say in the Tatchin Cup, um, over the last two years we're starting to see that there's nearly an intermediate level and a junior level and that's just the reality of where they're at like some of the counties in Division 4 um, are possibly you know we're seeing a release like they struggled um, against Down so there, there is that kind of a split there so that's that uh, and we can move on now to to slide 3 I suppose yeah. 16th to ninth place or as we should really call it Monaghan's home ninth. <laughs> Because Shane, you've been returned to your uh, your aforementioned place. I think Monaghan have been around ninth all season, have they? They, ha- I tell you what, only Monaghan could now be ninth in an eight horse race. <laughs> like they're, they're in the All Ireland quarterfinals, and only Monaghan could still be in ninth. <laughs> but like, I know, I, I understand what I understand why you've done it. I guess, yeah, like you've put them ahead of Donegal, Roscommon, rightfully so. They're both out. Kildare gone. Um, I could probably make an argument to have them a place or two higher, but but I'll, I'll I'll listen to your arguments rationally, Tommy. Yeah, look at Monaghan. Don't go slip back two places. Probably where they deserve to be. They've, they've had a bit of a horror year. Fair play to Aidan O'Rourke, Paddy Bradley, and the players for, I suppose, rescuing a bit of respect over the last couple of months. They're missing everybody. They're missing so many. Um, but they've got talent there, and hopefully, we can see the real Donegal over the next couple of years to got to sort their issues out off the pitch and get the best players on the field. So we'll see what happens there. Roscommon, such a disappointing end um, to their year. Like, they had they had it in their hands. They had such a good position in their hands and just let it slip over the last couple of games. Marginal defeats. And likewise, look, Kildare had an iffy year for much of it, but they rescued, I suppose, um, a lot of neutrals' feelings towards them. Um, and they've ended up in 12th. So Monaghan are in ninth. It is harsh, Shane. Like, it is harsh. And I used that word ceiling last week and it triggered a lot of people from the Fernie County. You were getting, a lot, of tweet, you were getting a lot of tweets and messages, Tommy, from, from people from Monaghan. Sure. It appeared. Sure, look, if they knew I went to school there, I'd get into <laughs> even more trouble. So, um, Monaghan in ninth place. Um, I guess this is just payback for that Division 2 league final in 2005 when I sat beside all my buddies in primary school. Paul Finley. And I had to listen to that grief for months after Finley put the ball in and Mark Ward managed to let it go through his hands. So, uh, look at all our minor final Shane like there's a bounce in the county an unbelievable win again at the weekend Conor McCarthy was the man who kicked the clutch mm-hmm. score we wondered last week would it be Conor McManus but 
Like he was completely shut down. McCarran was marked by the Kildare boys and McCarthy comes up Trump. Who was it that put the hand in the air calling the mark? And I think was it, was Sh- it was Sean Jones, no. I think. Sean Jones had come Jones. off the bench, yeah, literally a yeah. minute or two yeah. before. You're lucky. Lucky to get away with that Yeah, one. and you, I don't even know what the what's the ruling there because he, he stopped. Well, I think it's... It's, if you hold it for over five seconds, it's over carrying. So I, he was on the he was on the line. I think or it could on be less cusp. than five seconds. Right. Yeah. 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 So it was, cl- it was one of those. It was one of those weird games that just the refereeing decisions were uh, scratching. You weren't happy. I saw that. No, I yeah. wasn't happy, and I don't think their fans were happy either. It was just one of those games where both sets of fans were left a little bit uh, bemused. Like my my rationale, I'm I'm guessing Cork. You have ahead of Monaghan. My only thinking there, Tommy, is I before mean, you tell me. Before on. you tell me, you'd have them higher. Yeah. Who would you have them higher down? Uh, well, I, I'd ha- I'd make an argument for Cork, considering Monaghan had a, a campaign in Division One. They stayed in Division One. They beat Tyrone. They drew at Derry. They beat Clare. Uh, I, I don't see what Monaghan have done that Cork haven't done this year, and Monaghan have been a division higher. That that'd be my argument. I know Cork. Everyone's Monaghan. on this Cork steam train, and everyone's probably used to Monaghan being a top tier team at the minute. Which maybe, so maybe that's that's worked against them, and uh, everyone yeah. loves this little Cork. Revival, which underst- is understandable, but that's the only probable, probable team I, I could make an argument maybe for. Look, look at so the, what happened here was right. Cork, Monaghan have, bet, have beaten Monaghan have beaten Kildare, right, and they've beaten Clare in Championship. Mm-hmm. They've lost to the Donegal, they've drawn with Derry, they've lost to Derry, and they beat Tyrone. I'm missing a game. They bet Tyrone as well. Mm. So Monaghan, like, have had a fairly up and down Championship, you'd say, like, and they've had highlights and 100 percent have had big highlights, but. For me, Cork's progress since that Clare defeat has been like that. And at the weekend last week, in the power rankings, we saw 11 beat 12, we saw 8 beat 9, we saw 4 beat 3, and 10 beat 7. So Cork defied the odds two weeks in a row. They bet Mayo, they bet Roscommon. And that's why, for me, they jumped into the top eight. I think Cork are on the rise. I think Cork football is back, which is a scary prospect because they've been away for a long time and they've been a bit of a joke for a while couple of false dons, but I think they're a real deal now and they're rocking in the Crow Park against Derry with a bit of momentum. Much the same way Monaghan are going in, mm. they're going to back themselves to take down Armagh. Cracking, cracking quarterfinals. Oh, the, the quarterfinals are set up so well. And Tommy, you predicted them um, absolutely spot on. I saw your tweet the night before the, the draw was made on Sunday night and you were, you were saying this would be the spiciest of draws and sure enough, you got it spot on. Well, you should have texted me for a tip, Johnny. There we go, yeah. I've, I've annoyed you over the years. You should have got on to me beforehand. You wouldn't have won that on it now, but... Who wins the All-Ireland? Um, oh, Jesus. I've on, already, like... this. Is, let's move on to on side to the top one, eight. I should mention we have, we have John Cleary as well on later on this morning, the Cork uh, senior, senior manager, which, and we had Colin Buhig shaking his head, nodding his head there when you were trying to explain why Cork were ahead of Monaghan. I will say, Clare did uh, beat Cork this year in the Championship, and Monaghan put 123 past Clare, so... And, and uh, yeah, I, but, I I but, but that was that was an absolute. Were you at that game, Clonus? Like that was, was. A shootout. That was a game for the purists. Like it that was back to back, end to end, attack after attack. <laughs> you know, like that could have gone either way that game. So um, look, Monaghan had a great year, and that minor getting that minor final that first since nine thirty nineteen thirty nine, mm. unbelievable. Beating Kerry, like what a boost! Must have been some day on Saturday. So yeah. Monaghan can still have great days, and Monaghan can still have a really good year, and just. Three, well, I tell you, my brother, my brother is uh, he moved moved to Australia and he's, he's currently in Thailand. But uh, before he heads to Australia, and he's made the point into the family WhatsApp group yesterday: if Monaghan are to make the final, the All Ireland final, he'll be home for a week at the end of July. So he's only we're only, we're only after having goodbyes for him, and all of a sudden he's like, if Monaghan beat Armagh at the weekend, and then they win their semi final, he's coming home. 
which I think Perfect. half of Monaghan would do. Uh, we'll move on to the top, uh, the top tier, the yeah. top screen. Tommy, starting right. the number eight. So, so we've talked about Cork. They're up to the eight, pl- eight place. Johnny, you just asked me who's going to win the All Ireland. Um, the only hunch I've given this year is that I felt Galway were in the best position over the last <laughs> couple of months. That they were adding depth to their squad and Cook and Burke. Um, like to talk about getting two boys like that. Then Johnny, Johnny Maher was was brought back in and made an instant impact. Man of the match against Roscommon on his Connacht debut. Young lads like Johnny Maher and Keen Hernan had settled in immediately and were playing so, so well. Matthew Tierney had stood up. It looked like Galway had finally um, grown around their three main stars, Damien Comer, Sean Kelly and Shane Walsh. And then going into the weekend, like last weekend, obviously just letting it slip. Comer had the injury, McHugh had the injury. You throw in the... Losing Liam Silk and Kieran Malloy, two other star defenders. Sean Kelly gets injured late on against Armagh. He's about 30% right against Mayo. Shane Walsh just hasn't been himself mm. or 100% all year long. And we, we just know that. Like, And he top scored from the weekend, but he left five or six behind him as well. And Matthew Tierney missed that goal chance against Mayo. Such fine lines. I put Galway back to seventh place. For a team that were in first a couple Down of weeks ago, it shows you the nature, the nature of this championship that... It's there for anybody. We've said it the whole time. It's there for anybody right now to win this. I don't think Cork or Monaghan have an All-Ireland win them. I don't. I'm just saying that now. I don't think they do. The other six, you'd say the first five, for sure, really, really, really have a good chance here now. Mm-hmm. They've proven it over the last couple of years that they have an opportunity. Mayo still have to, or Armagh still have to show me a little bit more. Maybe that was a slip of the tongue saying Mayo, but you know, <laughs> Mayo going to have to show it too. So Armagh back to seventh. Um, I'm not putting my hands up to say I was wrong to have them in first. I'm not. Because I know what he has to put in the first. They the were Galway, consistently Galway, How Galway are behind Armagh, Tyrone, and who do we have in Derry? Like, they're better than all of them. and Yeah, hey, it's, it's hard, better, to, hard to look at that. I put it to Joyce, Johnny, um, after the game. I said, like, do you know, when this settles in a couple of weeks, how are you going to look back in 2023? Badly. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting line because, like, they they were probably the best team in the league in in, in many respects. Think your championships don't matter anymore, do they? Like, no, oh, I don't care. No, they no, it. no. Like, like no. in fairness, part Joyce, he's, he said all along, our ambition is to win the All Ireland. He said our ambition this year is to win the National League. We haven't won it since what the early eighties or something. Eighty one, yeah. And um, yeah, so like, but like, it's it's what you're alluding to there. Galway are so close Tommy and you mentioned the amount of things that have gone wrong this season and like if Shane Walsh can't hit the ball over with the win from 25-30 yards in front of goal you're like well what's going on here yeah and like it it wasn't like Walsh gets a lot of stick I think I think it's unfair the amount of stick that he gets I think he's an unbelievable talent and he's he's a different sort of talent like he's not a David Clifford or a Conor Callaghan like he's different he's got a different skill set um, he gets a lot thrown at him I think he just didn't deliver last week there's something not 100% right and it could be other footballers in the country we could be saying that about but he he gets it a lot um, and he looks like a fella all year long that needed a break mm. do you know like he genuinely has looked like that mm. and it's come out I think in his performances and it genuinely wasn't just him at the weekend if he had had one of his performances like he had for Galway against Mayo when they lost by a point back in 20... Was it 2020? Andy Moran. Is Andy Moran on today? He'll remind he is, you what day it was. Yeah. Walsh nearly kicked Galway over the line himself. I think he kicked 11 of... Or 10 of Galway's 11 points. Same in the All-Ireland final. He can have those days and he just... He didn't have one. Kenny McDade was the one player mm-hmm. who very nearly dragged Galway over the line on his own. Nearly had one of those performances like he did against Armagh last year. So, look at Johnny. Galway were so close but... 
Andy Bourne will tell you himself, you only get so many chances to win in All-Ireland. Yeah. And Shane Walsh could go through his career right now and not win in All-Ireland. And that would be a shame, but it happens to so many great players. Um, Brian Duhur and Fergal Logan will be looking to, to add to that Toronto All-Ireland win a couple of years ago. You have them up from 8th from to 5th. Tommy, I do. Like, Anthony Miles was... As soon as the draw was made yesterday on the show, we said Tyrone and Kerry was the first pair out, and his first reaction was bye-bye Kerry, which I found fascinating. He thinks this is well, Tyrone's to lose. Well, Moisey has stood by that for quite a while. I've, I've been at a couple of Kerry games, and I've seen the good and the bad. I think having an All-Ireland in the bones is, is a good thing in, in a lot of ways. It's, it's got them over the line, and I think they've got the generational players that they're going to win more All-Irelands. They're also Kerry. Mm. It's like they have a freakish right down there to, to be in the mix all the time same as Dublin um, so before the draw after watching Tyrone do what they did attacking wise against Donegal I said right these boys are in the mix and yeah. I had Tyrone 8 after nearly being out inches from being out against Westmead they've just unlocked something they have got the best midfield partnership in the country mm. Kennedy and Kilpatrick there is nobody there's no pair better than them in the country around the middle they've got one of the best goalkeepers in the country they've got that full back line who are finding a bit of form again and McKern and Hampsey and McNamee Connor Myler is going to do a man marking job in Potty Clifford and he's back to the form that we saw him deliver when possibly he was so close to winning a footballer of the year Kieran McGeary is showing a bit of form again Matty Donnelly is doing what he does and now they've got this full forward line where your best man marker has to go on Darren McCurry mm. your second best man marker has to go on Derek Hanavan who's in the form of his life and then who have you got left to put on that little wild card, Rory Canavan? Yeah, He's an way. absolute rogue. He kicked 1-1 at the weekend. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't Rory Canavan, Canavan, you'd be tearing your hair out. But I have a feeling these Armagh lads, are, or the throne lads, are putting their arm around the shoulder and saying, Rory, look it, just do you. Like, he could have scored 4-3 at the weekend. He was true on goal after 10 seconds, rounded the keeper just by put it wide. Makes his own goal two, two minutes later. Drop watching McCurry's ball drop short loses the head with Dara for not slipping it to him 20 minutes later when Dara takes a point and his final score that's a goal chance and he pops it over the bar just mm-hmm. so he has 1-1 one, one and he doesn't get in trouble when he goes into the dressing room so I think Duher and Logan they've really handled Rory Canavan well they've, they've, they've kind of kept the pressure off him he could explode in Crow Park it's going to be a cracking game against Tyrone we've got uh First first place in the power rankings, Kerry against fifth place, Tyrone. We've got second place in the power rankings, Dublin against third place, Mayo. We've got fourth place, Derry against eighth place, Cork. And sixth place, Armagh against ninth place, Monaghan. So that's it. Derry have moved up to fourth. Mayo have moved up to third. Dublin are in second. Kerry in first. Any any more complaints? Well, may, yeah, well, Before I go on my holidays, because well, I'm off today. Who have your favourites in Mayo or Dublin, actually? That's an interesting one. Like Mayo uh, up to third. Who have got favourites? Yeah, because look, at the power rankings aren't supposed to be a favourites mechanism here. It's about to be where you are in the country. and play- Teams can raise their level, as they so often do. When they see their names on the power rankings list and it's hung in the dressing room wall, <laughs> they can raise their level to the opposition they're up against. And Mayo are certainly the team over the years that have shown us that they raise their level of performance against the teams that they're playing. Um, like, that was nothing but Mayo mania at the weekend. Like, well, it's against the funny thing, so, like, I think... Um, I think him for tomorrow's is brilliant. Like I think 
Joe Brawley really disgraced himself taking the piss out of Aim Fitzmaurice and, the, and his voice and all that because like Aim Fitzmaurice's analysis of games compared to Joe Brawley's is just like there's no comparison here but I thought he was lauding Mayo a little bit excessively in the second half considering the wind and Mayo like Mayo actually left themselves in this situation at the end where they were barely barely holding on from a position where they should really have been out of sight considering the start they had in the second half and I just I can't get my head around Mayo ever basically is what I'm saying Okay, that's interesting. I actually, I actually watched back the game last night because it's funny you don't, you don't get the same sense when you're watching it. It's a different experience watching it live mm. in the stadium to hearing the commentary. It, it, it can lead you listening to the commentary, and I agree with John Fitzmaurice's analysis. I think he's top class. I would be on his side with this one. I actually felt like it was such a messy game. Right, forget about the skills, forget about all that. Mayo managed that game so much better than Galway. And I think it's possibly because Galway's key players, as we said, were struggling. Their leaders were on one foot. When Coleman went off, that was such a change, Johnny. Like, that allowed Mayo... Like, Mayo spent... Max Day spent his, his halftime talk saying to McBride, get closer to Damien Comer. Don't do anything else. Mm. Just get closer to Comer. They were afraid of what Damien Comer had done with those two balls when he was left one-on-one with Jason Doherty inside. Like, they had fear about what Damien Comer would do. They walk out in the second half... Comer's gone. Mm. Go away against the wind. They, they don't set up the way I thought they would set up at the start of the second half. I thought Goway would be way more conservative and just catch Mayo in the break. Because, mm. like, let Mayo shoot from 50 yards. They had blown it against Cork the week beforehand. They had just about got over the line against Loud. But they played right. They played right in the Mayo's hands from the start of that second half. They gave them oxygen. They allowed Jeremy O'Connor to turn over Peter Cook, mm. run the length of the pitch and win it free. Ryan O'Donoghue pops it over. Jeremy O'Connor turns over Paul Conroy. They're on the length of the field, and I don't think they got a score that time, but they certainly, uh, off the kick out, I think, they get the goal. Like, you know, they played right into Mayo's hands, and they allowed them to to get that run on them. Like, I think Mayo's management of the first half was actually way better than Galway's management to do against the wind as well. Mayo, don't forget, had three really scorable wides at the end of that first half. Big time, yeah. At the first half, it could have been 8-5. Yeah. It could have been 8-5 at half time, and like, it was certainly a five-point wind. I think technically you could say it turned out to be a six-point wind or five-and-a-half-point wind and Mayo just got over the end on it. Like, the wind changed that game so much and it's so hard to read into where Mayo were at. Where are Dublin at? Are, I tell you, I'll put it to you this way, right? Uh, when the quarterfinal draw was made and when the semi-final draw, like there's going to be a semi-final draw, you can't have repeat championship meetings. Mm. So every other team, Kerry were snookered, they could only play two teams, Tyrone and Monaghan. Every other team had played a team already in the championship. Dublin hadn't played one. So Dublin and Leinster haven't played a team who are left in the All-Ireland. Dublin in the round-robin group haven't played a team that are left in the All-Ireland. Yeah. So to me, like in a, in a crude way, it looks like the Dubs are undercooked. Now, I've been saying that all year long. We said it on the football pod back in, 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 in March, in February. James O'Donoghue said it. They're going to play eight more Division 2 teams, nine more Division 2 teams until they get to an All-Ireland quarterfinal. And that cannot be the right sort of prep. Mayo are coming in. I don't think Mayo are going to be fatigued after the weekend. I think Kevin McStay made four changes before throwing. Um, three of them, he dropped players. Mm. One of them was, was an illness. I think he could make the same amount of changes this weekend and it would just be as just as strong a team. And it would, he could change his team now to suit playing Dublin. Like that team at the weekend, I don't think they knew that they had won the toss and that they were uh, playing against the wind when he made the calls. But that team suited playing against the wind. And the team that finished the game suited playing with the wind in Salt Hill. They had shooters on the pitch at the end. They had Carr on the pitch. They had Killian on the pitch. <clears throat> you know, a Hessian's game suited that second half far more. So, like, Mayo coming into this game 
bounding. They're bounding in the Crow Park. Much like Cork are, they are bounding in the Crow Park. <laughs> like the energy of those players coming off the field. They were roaring and screaming coming into the tunnel, uh, high-fiving each other, giving each other hugs. Like they were, There was an energy about Mayo coming into the Crow Park this weekend. And yes, the dubs are sitting there. They're waiting for um, they're waiting for their vengeance on 2021. Uh, as much as Tyrone probably wanted to get Kerry to get the blood going, Dublin probably wanted to get Mayo. And I would argue Kerry needed Tyrone to get themselves right for where they could end up after this. So there's two games on a knife edge, impossible to call. And that's where I'm leaving it at. Yeah. They are impossible to call. Yeah. Can't wait for it this weekend. So in summary, Monaghan ninth in an eight, ho- eight horse race. Cork, <laughs> Cork in eighth up two. We have Galway down four to seven. Uh, Arman sixth. Thrown up three to fifth. Derry up one to fourth. Mayo up one to third. Dublin second. And Kerry remain first. Tommy, great stuff. Thanks a million. Enjoy the holidays. Thanks, Shane. And don't forget that the plucky underdogs Mead are seventeenth up against the behemoths of the Talchin Cup down <laughs> in sixteenth. So that game is going to be on the fifteenth of. Uh, July, that's going to be a cracker. So. Mind game starting uh, already from the Meath boys. See you, Johnny. See you, the Gal- the Galway rankings a joke. Like Galway seventh in this. Um, in, I mean, whatever sort of power rankings you know mechanism you have, it's it's dysfunctional really. Um, because Galway, like so much has gone wrong, and over the course of this this season, they're clearly not the seven best team. Like I love that word. That is the dysfunctional power rankings. Yeah. Tommy knows football. Obviously, listening to football pod the odd time. And I was looking at the power rankings, and I thought that Jesus Owen must still be feeling the effects of these mushrooms. <laughs> Who said that? Uh, that was from some, some other podcast, wasn't it? Someone someone slagging off Tommy's power rankings. Yeah, uh, maybe Owen as well. There got a got a, got a little word. Should mention while we uh, have Andy Moran waiting on the line. It's seventeen a.m. on this Tuesday morning's OTB. And Brayburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of OTB. Brayburn Coffee is coming to an Apple Green near you. New Brayburn locations popping up every month. So visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Brayburn to find your nearest Brayburn Coffee experience. After this very short break, we will have Andy Moran. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. 8.18 am on this Tuesday morning's OTB. I'm delighted to welcome to the show the former Mayo footballer and current Leitrim manager, Andy Moran. Morning, Andy. How are things? Hi, lads. Uh, good to be with you. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks for hopping on. How, how do you feel after the weekend? It was, um, I mean, we have Johnny Ward in studio here. Uh, morning, Galway's lament and defeat, but. Um, just one of those mad games that at half time you still felt Mayo were, are certainly not gone given the wind. Yeah, I was uh, I was I was lucky enough to be at it and um, uh, had the kids at it. It was a it was a great day, I suppose, to be from the Mayo side. Um, but it just reminded me an awful lot. Even at half time, it, it reminded me a lot of the Dublin game in twenty twenty one, where Dublin were ten four up at half time. But you just kind of felt they had the opportunities to put Mayo away, and uh, both Dublin in 2021 and Galway last Sunday just didn't 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 put Mayo away at any stage in that first half. I think that between 15 and 18 shots, only scored eight of them. Where that could have been easily at half time a 15-5 game to to Galway, and they just have to see it out. But it was a five point uh, five point lead at half time to Galway, and you just felt uh, when when the half time came, Mayo were still in the game with that wind, you know. I I, I think Colin O'Rourke said that day on TV. The now Mead manager, obviously, I think he said halftime that day, Andy. Like this game is over, basically. You know, Mayo can Dublin can go home, but I I felt like what would you think was Porrick Joyce's? Because that was not the case on Sunday. Because that wind was so bad. You, you imagine Porrick Joyce is looking around the dressing room at halftime. You're taking off Comer. Um, you know, you've your best players basically on one leg. Um, already at this stage, Shane Walsh has hit three pretty bad wides, and you're like this five point lead is nothing here. 
Yeah, and on top of that, two goal had two significant goal chances in the first half. Two Comer Comer mm. at the back post, um, pro- probably a half chance. And I don't know if you remember, Matthew Tierney was away at one stage in the second half, and Paddy Durkin did a long buster, fifty, sixty yard to catch him mm. and just turn him over. That was a real mm. goal chance if Paddy didn't make up that ground. So, like, Boric is a smart guy, one of the best players to ever play the game. Um, he could see that that was a five-point at least wind in that second half and Golo would need to score. And a significant thing happened during the first half. We we actually sat on the 21 of the goal, like the, the scoring end in Salt Hill with the wind in the first half. And at one stage with about 22, 23 minutes, Damien Comer went over and talked to Porrick Joyce. And from that moment on, the movement of Damien, which has caused me so much difficulty in the first half, was literally gone. And there was a sense there just around us at time that Damien Comer mightn't appear for the second half. And that gave Mio fans huge hope. And the goal of fans down our side could see that Comer was the key linchpin to that, uh, that forward line for goal in the first half. And when he was gone, all of a sudden it gave Mio a huge chance in the second half. Andy, what would you have done differently that to PJ will say in the second half to manage, particularly the first 10 minutes when they effectively lost the game? You see, you can't go with one midfield quite convincingly if you if you take it on kickouts in terms of high catches and breaking balls. So they won it quite convincingly. So you can't at no stage in half time there can you turn around and think keeper's going to skew one into the middle, Mayor going to get an overload, and Dave McBride is going to come and score a magnificent goal. I, I don't think anyone can kind of structure for that on top of that then in that position when Dave McBride um, like Dave McBride is a club man of mine was a, a major moment for our club the club has mm-hmm. actually bouncing since it to be honest with you but if you notice Sean Kelly is the sweeper in that incident he is the guy and a fit Sean Kelly probably doesn't allow that goal to happen but PJ Porrick had to play Sean Kelly if you take it Silk is gone Malloy is gone Dylan McHugh is gone from last year if you take out Sean Kelly that's four of the starting six four uh, defenders that got to the All-Ireland final last year so you can't really take him out so he's snookered in a way um, that I don't think you can really you can't line yourself up as a manager in that situation at half time you're just hoping that the lads have enough in the tank uh, to get you over the line the big decision for me was not bringing on Rob Finnerty at half time right like with his Mayo connections <laughs> Joe that game means an awful lot to him for us in Mayo we would rate Rob Finnerty very very highly in Mayo and it's uh, it was just surprising not to see him coming on at half time but in that situation where Porrick Joyce is in, you just have to make sure everything from the kicking tee from the goalie goes right. And when Matthew Cherry gets that chance in the second half that he takes it and you hope to just see the game out. Andy, you've mentioned him already, Dave McBride, uh, as you say, a club made of yours with Balladurine. And, and this guy I know is coming. The other 20s performances he put in, I, th- I suppose, put him on the map for, for everyone else in the rest of the country. But as you say, a very, very proud moment for your club. And that was the moment really that, that, that ultimately won the game. Yeah, I think the great thing about like we experienced a great moment um on, on Sunday, my myself and my wife with two kids and all people from Balladrine experience like it's something special. It, like for me as a club man, I, I think the last person that I seen scoring a goal from Balladrine in championship was Noel Durkin in eighty nine, from what I can remember. So I think we underestimate how special these moments are. You know, it's uh, it was sort of like if you've seen our small town here in Balladrine over the last twenty four, forty eight hours, it's 
WhatsApp groups are jumping. The town is a light of colour. It's it's just amazing. And that young man just going on that one two with Aidan O'Shea and Barry in the back of the net, it's really lifted the whole town and lifted the whole club. So it was an amazing moment for the club. Something I was it was the first time I actually seen David playing senior live for 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 me because we were kind of always the games were always conflicting with Leitrim this year so it was just a, a, an amazing moment and uh, one that the club was very proud of. Yeah, you're right in the border as well, so like it was a there was a lot going on for Balladrine this weekend. <laughs> ah, it was just uh, you know, the Rossies played on on Saturday. Um, like to be honest with you, we'd be very kind of like everyone went into that game for Mayo Galway on, um, on on Sunday was all all saying. Aren't we two Egypts to have left ourselves in this position where mm-hmm. one of the teams are going to be out come Sunday evening? Um, so there was a bit of that in it because you'd have a bit of pride with three kind of teams if you could get two or three kind of teams to the quarterfinals of a, an All Ireland series. But if you go ten. back, Andy, to the late nineties, we'll say when from basically from ninety six onwards, Galway or Mayo were effectively All Ireland contenders until they played the other, and that's what happened Sunday. That's what happened Sunday, and um, unfortunately for us, since '98, uh, I actually walked out of the stadium. Would you believe, just by pure coincidence, with John O'Mahony, and he was the last manager, Galway manager, to put Mayo kind of out of the championship. I think it was '98, so it's a long running thing. Um, but these boys, just like Mayo, for us, they just keep kind of producing these huge performances, and like like I, I kind of just kind of deflect into the management side of things at the start of this year if you're a Mayo supporter I know for me you're going in there you're thinking Kevin, Stephen these guys give them 18 months two years to really kind of build it with Lee retiring and Ushin go to the, the Aussie rules give them two or three years but for me they've over already over uh, achieved of where probably a supporter thought there would be. Now, I know Kevin has always said, listen, this team is ready to go, let's let's move in. But to lose them fellas out of your back line and to win a National League and to be in an All-Ireland quarter-final, you know, the, the, the spoiled you know, uh, supporters in 2023. We already mentioned the goal, uh, Andy, but the, another moment that, that really stood out as a, as a bit of a turning point on Sunday was Killian O'Connor being brought from the bench and the usual lift that gives the, the, the Mayo supporters. And then he, of course, scores that point, inspirational point, you know, a couple of minutes, if even, after he's, after he's come on. I know he was back with the club and I think kicked 2-6 the week before, so... Clearly firing in all cylinders ahead of this weekend, which is, I mean, from Mayo perspective, crucial. Yeah, I'm not sure you're ever going to see Killian firing in all cylinders again mm. to what we've been spoilt in Mayo over the last, I suppose, decade, 13 years maybe. But, like, his point the last day was just to turn onto your left leg in under the stand and uh, put it over the black spot was brilliant. But there was another moment, Paddy Durkin's, I think, first point, I'd love to get the behind the goal ca- camera where Killian makes a run inside one of the backdoor cuts. He makes the run inside, goal of defender goes with him, and he just checks out. And he literally makes 10 to 15 yards of separation between him and the defender and passes it to Paddy, and Paddy gets the score out of it. And it was just them soft little touches that could potentially help me over the line next Sunday. Um, and yes, listen, when you get a bit older and the injuries kick in, you may not have the pace to play the 70 minutes, but to have a guy like that in reserve for, for 20, 25 minutes was just... And I, I thought the boys really did it well. I thought, um, they, again, complimented the management team. I think they, they didn't wait, they didn't hesitate. They brought him on when we had momentum and 
as you said, it gives a huge kick. But for him to kick that score directly after the goal was just it was just um, I think it was the momentum that probably won us the game. And I thought the switch was made at that perfect time, just to, at the moment we needed to have the med. You know, what have you made of Dublin? Yeah, I was kind of half listening to your chat before the game and see you're doing cooked and. Joe, I think we've all been involved with club teams, haven't we? Where you, know, you have this old club team that have won a lot of stuff and you just can't get rid of them, you know? And um, I think if you're asking Desi Farr, you're asking uh, James McCarthy, Brian Fenton, the these guys really want huge tests when it's quarterfinal. And I would say the answer to that question is no. I think, I genuinely think they've got enough tests for the team and the age cohort of that team. What they want on Sunday is to go to that game with Cluxton fit, uh, Jack McCaffrey fit, James McCarthy fit, uh, Con Callum fit. Like that's where they want to go um, to that game on Sunday. And over the course of the year, they've got Derry in the league final, obviously. The Derry up there, which were two huge tests. They'd, the Rossies really put them to the to the pin of their collar. Um and they had enough to there put them to the pin of the college. You know, they had enough tests, I think, to get them to there. And what Dublin want to go to is they want to go with their best 22 on Sunday to, to face me on. I think the way it's ran into them, it's probably suited Dublin. There is a huge argument on Sunday. We all seen the games last week. You were talking about them. Tyrone, Monaghan, Mayo and Cork. They're coming in with huge, huge momentum. The huge momentum. And the other guys are sitting there which all of us, me and you two guys included, we just said the preferred route is to have the week off. But now you're thinking, mm. is it? it? Like, for Dublin, I think it probably suits them. But for the rest of them, does it suit them? Like, do you know, like, you, you have uh, you have Derry coming in there based on a team that are just after taking out, you know, we'd have put both Mayo and Roscommon probably in the, the top eight, top, like Monaghan would have been down to rank number 12, I think. But you'd have probably put them into the top eight, top 10 at least. And now they're coming in, Cork just after beating the two of them. Like you've seen the pace Cork had in that second half when they were going at it. And now they're coming in to Crow Park, even a faster pitch, playing a Derry. And you, you just never know, is it momentum or is it that two-week break that's really going to suit teams? So I put Dublin kind of in the same category Dublin probably definitely with their age profile wanted the break uh, but they're facing a Mayo team just with huge momentum now coming off Salt Hill last Sunday That's a fair point like cause the, the week break everyone thinking oh this is this is a massive advantage but not necessarily so the other thing Andy as well like Mayo getting back to Croke Park I know it's against Dublin on their home pitch and yet there's just something about this Mayo team because I'm hearing people saying after the game well the performance against Galway wasn't good enough and James Horn was speaking to Tommy after the match uh, in Pierce Stadium and he was kind of saying you know Mayo's performance won't have scared anyone and yet Mayo in Croke Park just always feels like it's <laughs> regardless of the performances that have come before it's just something different Yeah I, I remember people when we used to be playing used to talk about the madness of Mayo and I used to think that's nonsense but <laughs> when we come to the other side of the, the line, you, you kind of understand what the supporters have felt over the last you know, 20 years and um, that's the same it was the same Sunday it was you know, by no logic should Mayo have got back into that game at half time and everyone just kind of felt at the stadium <laughs> you know, we have a huge chance here and I think the same refers to Dublin on Sunday Mayo are coming in they've played what five championship games um, and three of them championship games were 
um, in one of those championship games they were absolutely unbelievable and against Galway they just showed the character that you know Jeremy O'Connor Paddy Durkin Killian O'Connor Tommy Conroy and these guys have you just know the character they have so they've showed kind of in the five championship games they've showed every characteristic that they all have um, over the last uh, over the last couple of years so yeah it's it, it I, I can tell you uh, walking around Castle Bar where, where we work it's um the energy is absolutely, absolutely back. The Mio people are behind the team. Um, the Mio, I think the Mio people, even though there'll be always a few dissenters, I think are 100% behind the management team. And when you have that in Mio and you have that energy coming to Pro Park, I think it gives us, gives us, uh, gives Mio a huge chance. Um, now saying that, I do think Dublin are a more formidable force than they have been for the last two years. Having Cluxton back is is nearly like having a, a second head coach on the on the pitch. I think Mick Fitzsimons, where I've marked Mick at his very, very best. Um and I thought he was probably come Joe coming to the end. But since Cluxton came back, it's nearly like it's nearly lifted Michael Fitzsimons, which gives Dublin a huge lift. If you have him, you have Merchant, Joe, you have Lee Gannon coming out of that back line with Paddy's or with, with John Small and then up top, like Khan is literally I, I actually had a conversation with Tommy a couple of weeks ago and I said, You're sleeping on Callum Callahan and he kind of goes, What do you mean? And I said, This guy is scoring four to five points a game here, do you know, and no one was really saying anything about him. I think he's got something like two twenty or something in the championship. It's it's phenomenal score, nearly all from play and uh with him in form, I think Dublin are a different proposition than they have been since since twenty twenty. I think they're they really are um so we don't know what Dublin are going to bring, but I, I think it's fairly sure what Mayo are going to bring in terms of they're going to perform, they're going to have huge energy, and they most certainly aren't going to give up. So when you when you have them three characteristics, you have a chance. But I do think this Dublin team are probably a bit better than we're giving them credit for. If you're Kevin McStay, Andy, who are you putting on Conor Callaghan? Dave McBride. Right. Oh, see... It's a funny one because the country don't know about McBride um, because like since his under-20 age, he's, he's literally been injured. He had a lot of quad injuries. Um, but when he gives that ball to, to, to Aidan O'Shea um, on the on the, on the the 50-yard line, every Balladrine person in that stand is just shouting, give it back to him. <laughs> you know, every, like, because we know the pace and the power and the energy this guy has. Um, and it was very kind of not, not like it was very kind of Lee Keegan esque the way he took the return and buried it into the back of the net. So, like to me, he's a big game player. He's can, he can run like a hundred meter athlete, and you're 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 looking you're basically looking at, in my opinion, probably top two player in the country. And you you need your best players on these guys, and you're you're you're, you're putting Dave McBride all day on them. You, you mentioned Aiden there, and I think like some players attract um, attention that they shouldn't. Are certainly criticism I think that oversteps the mark in, in amateur sport and I think Shane Walsh probably gets a bit of it this year because of his profile and obviously the club switch and all that and Aiden has certainly gotten it what's Aiden thinking right now? Oh he's he's, he's like when you're when you when you turn in your 30s um, like in Killian is a bit younger Killian is about 31 and he's a bit younger, but the energy Killian had coming off the pitch the last day, I was actually on, it's amazing how quick time turns, and I was actually on the pitch 
after the game with my little boy Ollie, who's five, looking for autographs of my old players. So it's amazing how, how, how time turns. So I was actually on the pitch after the game, and Killian comes running off the pitch, and the energy that guy has, like you have to put yourself into his shoes two weeks ago. There's half of him thinking, Am I doing here? Is my career over? And all of a sudden he comes out and kicks the point. The energy's back. The crowd is lifted. All of a sudden, Kevin McStay and Rachi probably have faith in him. Again, the Mio fans have faith in him. And all of a sudden, his career now is nearly taken off again. I know it's only a week, but it's taken off again. And Aiden is the same. He's 33 years of age. He's sitting there looking at that game the last day, especially when he's taken off, which I thought was a really surprising decision. Um, and he's taken off and he's thinking, if this goes wrong here, um, like, am I potentially done at 33 coming into my 34th year in, in 2024 and now all of a sudden he's going to be playing in front of 80,000 people in Pro Park and people ask do you miss football and do you miss playing and I like the answer to that for me 99% of the time would be no there's nothing you miss from it because the work rate that has to go into it but when, if you're preparing for Dublin this week in front of 80,000 people like that's one thing that you, you'd miss that energy that, that that buzz would give you if you were part of it and Aidan O'Shea Killian O'Connor and the older members of that group are all feeling that this week and as as James McCarthy and Jack McCaffrey Fitzsimon. and Paul Mannion mm. they're feeling that as well the energy that they feel this week is just amazing so Aidan O'Shea is just the exact same as all of them Probably didn't have his most influential game the last day. But people underestimate the soft skills of football. Like, like Aiden gives that pass to Dave McBride. Dave McBride doesn't have to literally take a step out of place. It It is literally in the breadbasket of where you want to give the pass. And people look at that and go, it's a five-yard hand pass when he on about. If you're playing full forward, which is the technically the hardest position on the field, if you're playing that and you get a hand pass off that's in a fella running at 100 miles per hour off you and think that's a really hard technical skill so that little soft skill goes a long way to me when the game last summer so Aiden's confidence is up and mm. um, he will really look forward to taking on Davy Byrne the next day if it's Davy Byrne or John Small he'll really look forward to taking on them and John, you know, like what has he got to lose at this stage of his career he's 33 uh, we haven't got to where he wants to get to and um, it, it's just it's, it's, it's nearly like a free shot for the likes of Aiden and Sunday mm. If I go around the houses Andy in a word for each of the quarterfinal ties putting you massively on the spot here uh, it all starts on Saturday evening with, with Kerry Tyrone how's this one going? Well, like the football pod has been absolutely horrendous over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, I, I don't, I can't believe you're giving Tommy Rooney actually a shot. At these power rackets. And how he's getting airtime, to be fair. Yeah, the, the predictions have been so bad. Like you know, um, I just think Kerry. Like I seen Tyrone on Saturday, and I just thought, wow. And people are saying now Kerry didn't want Tyrone. But I actually feel it's the other way around. I just don't think Tyrone wants to carry this Sunday. I think if Tyrone got one more game and they got Kerry in the semi-final, I think they'd be flying. The likes of Rory Canavan, who shot for, I think, 2-5 on Sunday, was really in for four goal chances. If he got a game under his belt at Crow Park before Kerry, I think it would be a huge thing for them. So, listen, I think Sean O'Shea has been the biggest problem for Kerry all year because he literally just couldn't find his form but in the last two games he got five against he got five against Cork and he got one eight the last day mm. like he's right back in form and if you're talking about the top two with Con and Clifford the top three Sean Shea for me is number three on that list and 
when you the two top forwards in the country on form, I just think they'll have too much for for Clare on Sunday. The next two games we have Armagh Monaghan uh, on Saturday evening as well, and Derry Cork. How do you see those two going? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with the rest week. So, like the moment, I'm going to go with the rest instead of the momentum. So, I am going to go with Armagh, and I am going to go with uh, with um, sorry, Derry. I just think I think I've seen a nod where Derry are nine to one when they all learned. I think it's absolutely crazy. I think. Derry have a huge, huge chance of, uh, yes, obviously, turmoil in the camp during the year, but they've got better since last year. I think they're the one team that you would say that have, out of all the teams from 2022 to 2023, who's actually improved. McGuigan has got better. Rogers has got better. Their defence has got better. McFall is back. They've lived, their goalkeeper has got, Lynch has got way better than he was in 2022. Mm. And they're the one team, I would say, that are on an improving scale. So I think they have a huge chance and I think they'll win. And I think they, if you're talking about a dark horses outside Kerry, Dublin, Tyrone Mayo, I think Derry are a huge, huge shout to the Right, so we have Kerry, we have Armagh, we have Derry already in the, the All-Ireland semi-finals, according to yourself, Andy. So who's at half five, six o'clock Sunday evening, Dublin <laughs> or Mayo, who is it? <sighs> like, head all day tells you Dublin. Um, but... I have to, Joe, you, know, you have to go. Like, it, it changes a whole lot when, when when a club guy is playing for the county. Like, literally, your support levels go literally through the roof because you're so proud of this young kid making an impression on the on the national stage. So, listen, I, I go for me for the crack uh, more so than Andy. It's Division it, 1 winners, like, I mean, there's not, yeah, nothing yeah. at all. To, like, Mayo, this is a 50-50 game, surely, at worst for Mayo. And it, it is, but, like, if you're talking, you're... You're really talking about your, your your logic and you're putting pound for pound, player for player, how they've been playing over the last couple of games. We're just taking um see we're we're taking Dublin against Sligo, we're not really rating that game. And we're taking Galway Mayo, we're giving that huge rating, which is fair, but then you're not really taking into consideration how well some of the Dublin boys played against Sligo. So to me, Mayo like I think it's 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 60-40 in favour of Dublin, but I think if Mayo can get Dublin into a battle, I think Mayo have a huge, huge chance. So, listen, I'm still going for Mayo. Don't be giving out to me. I'm still going for, I'm still going for Mayo. But I, I think, um, like, Dublin have literally every single player back. I think young Bugler, Paddy Andrews called uh, Bugler years ago, because I, I remember asking him on the pod, I said, or I think it was off air at the time, and I just go to him, who's, go, who's the Dublin forward that could make the difference? And he said Bugler. And I think he is just really, really playing well. I think Fana's mm. really playing well. But I think if you have Merchant Fitch, if Lee Gannon fit, I think they're a really, really, really good team. Like I, I, I genuinely think, I think the game against Roscommon was a real wake-up call for them that they can't just sit back and wait for other teams to make a mistake because teams have got used to playing that system. Um, so I, I think this is going to be a real, t- real tight game. Um, and I think we have a huge, huge chance. I'm, I'm going to go with Mayo, but um, if you really analyse the game and went with logic, you, you, you'd be 
maybe sidelined the side of Dublin, but Logic seems to have lost its way in the championship so far. So Andy, we've, we're 10 minutes over time here. We have to let you go. Like <laughs> This man will talk football all day. It's only it. 9 o'clock in the morning. I love it. Yeah, I, love I, it. I was kind of halfway through the first prediction when you said it in one word, and I was halfway through <laughs> five minutes. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> so, yeah, no, listen, great to, have, great to be on, lads. Thanks a million for having me. Great stuff, Andy. Fair play. Chat to you soon. Enjoy the games this weekend. Looking forward to it. And, what a man. Uh, ah, brilliant. And uh, always great insight from Andy. And like, I can't wait for these. Four matches. I, I hope he's wrong on the Armand Monaghan one. I hope that the the momentum, as opposed to the rest week, is is one that what, comes what, up trumps there. But one of the highlights of my life. I played under under fourteen, under thirteen representative with Andy Moore for the Roscommon and District League. Right. I think I I was a peripheral in player football now, in soccer. Soccer like football. yeah, yeah. And um, he said to me at the end of the game, he said, "At least you'll do a one-two you know because he was like kind of half given out about like I'd probably out him a bit here but I did I did a 1-2 with Andy Moore in underage oh. and I actually played against him at senior uh, senior he could have been a serious soccer player like he was yeah. left and right foot like football like you see how talented just an he is. athlete uh, not even an athlete just techni- technician right what a football like so he, he's lost I know Mayo we'll talk with Vinnie Pert Mayo coming into the league potentially League of Ireland Andy Next time I'm on, I must ask him how good could he have been as a soccer player. It could definitely be Neil Ireland at the very least. Right. I Interesting. Think. And I'm basing that on, you know, a small bit of evidence. Yeah, yeah. The one-two you had with him. About tw- the one-two. And then I, I regressed. Like, I, I wasn't even picked next year, despite the fact I was of the age next year. And then Andy, I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> Football of the year, I think he went on to, at some, po- at some point, uh, Johnny. But a couple of comments coming in. And Lang on YouTube. You won't like this one, Johnny. Go, I need to stop whinging. Move on. It's over. No mention of the nasty late hit on Tommy Conroy. Mayo had injuries last year and didn't make the same excuse as Galway are doing. Look in the mirror. Yeah, the Conroy hit was, um, yeah, that was, I think that was a, the, the tackle of a frustrated man, actually, yeah. But um, you're not, it's not kicking a fellow whose ankle is, like, in, in a bad way, mm. potentially. Um, I think Monaghan will beat our masses, Michael White. Good stuff. Appreciate that one. Mark J. Fitzgerald, I think he's talking about Shane Walter. Shane's season was in reality a return to form. Last season was a blip where ultimately he was bested by a better player on the final. Media concoction, really. I'm not sure if he can't be talking about Shane Walters' final performance. Shane didn't ha- he, he didn't have a terrible season, but it's just he's so good that obviously he, he makes... His bar players. is so high. His yeah. Bar, yeah, it's true. Um, how do you see the Dublin Mayo one going? Uh, I'd fancy Mayo, actually. I, oh, would I, you? Yeah. Um, now, I haven't seen as much of the championship as I would have hoped to just through the work this year, but I think um, this is perfectly set up for Mayo. And Dublin haven't convinced me um, for basically under Desi Farrell at all. Um, and they might have their best players back, but I think this mayor just that game will stand to them so much on Sunday, like mm. so so much. And like if you're going on um, the national league and that, I still don't trust Dublin defensively. I think they cough up um, chances like um, a lot more than they used. And yeah, I'd be. I think mayor outsiders, but I I I like Mayo on that game. Yeah, perfect. Eight forty six a.m. on this Tuesday morning's OTB a.m. Delighted to have Vinnie Perth on the line with us this morning. Morning, Vinnie. How are things? Good morning. Great to hear Johnny writing off another team there. The poor dubs have been written off. <laughs> what do you think, uh, Vinny? <laughs> Truth the form. The, the, I think the dubs will win the All Ireland. There you go. Oof. I think oh. people are over analysing them. Just leave them alone and they go and win it. Let them let them do it. We will. We, we should stay on Mayo while we're on Mayo, Vinny, as well, because we had the, the news this week as well. The founding of um, yeah. Mayo FC, massive day for for, for soccer in County Mayo. This so this uh, officially launched in the Bravey House Hotel on Monday in the presence of uh, local politicians, FEI officials as well. Uh, so the club are going to enter under fifteen, under fifteen boys teams into the League of Ireland in twenty twenty four, and another seventeen girls team as well. Then you'll have under 17, under 19 males teams at the earliest opportunity, we're told as well. No date yet set for Mayo FC uh, entering adult men's team into the League of Ireland, but uh, positive steps for, for soccer in Mayo, Vinny. 
Oh, it's huge. I think um, I think we, the more of this we see, um, people will say is Kerry a success because of the results, but that's nonsense. It's going to take them a while to build a club, and I think it's brilliant to see football in Kerry, and if you add Mayo to that over the next few years, I think that's what we need to de- continue to develop our league. I think the league has made huge strides on and off the pitch over the last number of years, and the more we can bring that to different communities and uh, different counties and when you look at the success of the GAA, to be fair, so much of it is county-driven, and um, the more we can have of that, I think the better. So, um, no, it's just brilliant news. And on a, on a serious note, Nathan Murphy seems to go to uh, Tallis Stadium loss to support John McRover, so I'm sure he'll be um, he'll, he'll have a decision to make over the next couple of years, which is great to see. He's right there, and he had a decision to make to avoid me forevermore after that tweet about Galway on Sunday. That went down like a lead balloon. What was the tweet, sorry? It's basically like four games that would not happen in the quarterfinals, Galway versus Galway versus Galway versus Galway versus. Um, yeah, it didn't go down well, Nathan. Um, you'll don't, don't turn up in Galway anytime soon, basically. Oh. It's good, though, Johnny, isn't it, for, for a couple of men? That oh, age, I mean, not, you, you've said this before, even Tipperary or Monaghan, areas that... Need yeah, something like this and to like as well. Nathan's dad, Michal, like Nathan, obviously, like the the thing Vinny's saying is true. Like Nathan finds it weird where his kids are wearing Sean Rovers jerseys. Like Nathan's dad, Michal, was like a true Mayo like um, football man, and Mayo has serious, serious uh, football players coming through as well, and. Um, I did a piece on Sunday in the Business Post just about like Shamrock Rovers underage Marie Crow was telling me this about her own son that they're very very happy for kids to play other sports as well and I hope that'll be the case in Mayo that the football and like the Gaelic football entities in Mayo will let kids play soccer as well like Andy Moran did when he was younger and let the kids see what he or she wants to do um, because we're a football we're a sports mad country and I hope in Mayo like Mayo has serious serious soccer players coming through uh, down the years and um, I'm absolutely delighted for this happen uh, we yeah, so just, to, one just a quick one on that Shane sorry just to say wouldn't it be great to see another push for Monaghan to return big time, to the league big and, time and, and Monaghan was it was never uh, I wouldn't say it was never serious but I think the terms and conditions now are slightly different for his football and I think if Monaghan made a comeback I think it would be so much more welcome in the community and, and Monaghan really uh, has a history and it has a ground like it's not even starting from scratch yeah, absolutely, and I think the more this we get, um, the, the the league will continue to grow. And I think um, I, ho- I hope there's certain moves or whatever happening around Monaghan, and, and I'd love to see that return in it. Yeah, well. I know the appetite is there certainly in the town and the county to have a, a team return. So hopefully that can that can happen in other regions, as you say, across Ireland as well. It can only help the development of young players. We need promotion relegation for Division One. Like yeah. to make that that would make it really really interesting. And even if you're bringing in B teams into a third tier and maybe university teams, if you can add in then the likes of Mayo and, and two or three others, I think in fairness to the FAI, like this is a great ambition to have that third tier. Yeah, definitely a step in the right direction with Mayo FC being announced this week. Uh, Vinny, you were in Tallaght Stadium last night. Mark Rovers won Derry City nailed the other game of course was the one-all draw between Dundalk and St Pat's so Rovers extended their lead at the top of the table to seven points now ahead of both Derry and Pat's Derry uh, marginally ahead of Pat's just on goal difference Dundalk three adrift of, of Derry and Pat's on 36 points and 10 off uh, Shamrock Rovers is the league all but over at this stage? Um, oh look it certainly feels that way I mean I, I've said so many times I think Rovers will win the league by plus 10 points and mm. Um, that you may you may begin to start stretch that out. I, I think we don't really have a serious title contender. I know people felt there you are. I just felt it was it was too early in the process. And and you must say uh, in defence of Derry, when 
uh, I was sitting in the stand last night and I seen uh, sitting close to me was Patrick McElhenney, Michael Duffy, Will Patching and Colin Whelan has been out for the whole season effectively. So almost no team by Rovers could survive without that. And if, if they were going to have a title push, they needed those three or four players uh, to be part of it. So you would, you would say um, the title race is, is heading one way as it seems now, but it's going to be a long way back for others. There was a spell last night where Pats were beating Dundalk and, you know, they were the ones most likely to push them, which seems a bit strange. So um, it leaves a couple of questions in terms of how easy Rovers are to win this league because they have they have had 10 games where they've drawn seven and, and lost three, which is which is um, which has allowed them a little bit of leeway that you wouldn't like. I think Shamrock Rovers will be a better team if somebody pushes them, and that's my concern at the moment. Can I can I ask you on this, Vinny, in terms of Europe? I was just w- watching the first fifteen minutes last night. How open Rovers were in midfield. Really, they were really under the cosh without Gary O'Neill. Do you see? Do you see them being a better team in twenty twenty three in Europe than they were in twenty twenty two? Um, I, I think that's to be, I, I mean, I, I made the point a couple of weeks ago and, and not everyone agrees with it that I think Rovers need to be a little bit more clinical at times. Okay. So what I mean by that is they've scored more goals than everyone else. So yes, they're the best team. There's no doubt in that. But, but what they've got to do is put teams away. And, and you go back to last night's game. They, it took them a while to get into. I think you've got to give Rory Higgins huge credit. I thought, um, um, that first 25 minutes there were exceptional and they put Rovers under a lot of pressure and they were asking questions of, of the staff of, and, and to be fair to uh, Stephen Bradley and his staff they made a slight tactical change with Sean Hoare and Sean Kavanagh which tightened up um, the trouble Ryan Graydon was causing them and, and then they took over the game but the answer to your question is we're going to see Like they, they probably had the toughest Draw in Europe in many ways, um, of all the teams, um, which is a bit ironic, but, um, we've, we've yet to see, and when I say more clinical, just to, just to highlight that point, they, when they were tuning up against Bowles the night, on Friday night, they had three or four chances to go and just finish that game and get rid of them. And they didn't. And they, like, even last night's game, there was very few clear cut chances from both teams. And that, in Europe, you'll only get one or two chances, maybe three, and you've got to be clinical. And um, that's my only concern about them heading into Europe. But uh, that experience of last year would certainly help them. And once they get through those, that fourth round, I think I think there's another group stages in that team this year. You're speaking about Europe, Vinny. There was some interesting comments from Rory Higgins after the match last night where he's talking about the... Well, he's essentially calling for the league season to be extended. So he says teams competing in Europe... Are being punished by the by the summer schedule. He, he says the campaign could could maybe be extended by a week or two, or you could do it do away with the mid season break. Does he have a point here? Um, yeah, I think now that everyone is full time, I think the season should be extended. Um, you know, I, I was calling for that back in two thousand and nineteen. I remember playing, I think it was eighteen games in fifty six games, fifty six days. Um, it, it is really really difficult, but. You know, that's the price, um, that's the price you pay for a lot of rewards in your winning and winning two, three games can be worth in uh, close to a million pounds for a club. So there's yin and yang in that. There's no doubt the league should be, ex- should be extended now that the, all the teams are full time. Um, whatever about the mid-season break, 
what was good about this mid-season break is um, there was a real focus on the Irish international team. So therefore, uh, we would have got lost a little bit. So I, I, I'm not against the mid-season break. A lot of clubs do it and different things around the international windows. But certainly extending the season. Um, Derry looked short last night in terms of the squad. I mentioned the three players and also that travel Friday, Monday can be really difficult for, for some of the regional teams. But they're full-time. Probably no real excuse. Build a bigger squad, he would say. All of them things. But um, there's no doubt he, he has a point uh, made. But it is what it is and it has been that for the last seven, eight, ten years. So um, it's it's, yeah, a, it's, got to deal with it. it's a funny one, Vinny, on coaching, isn't it? Like, and like whatever Rory Higgins has had to go through personally with, which you know, really goes well beyond the words that I can muster up here. You mentioned those players, like Rory Higgins goes into this season thinking, right, this is my best team, and if a, if A is injured, if you have those four players you're talking about, and like Conley at full tilt, they probably should be challenging Shamrock Rovers, and it just hasn't happened because they're not fit. Yeah, there's also there's also some inconsistency with Derry when they've had close to full fitness as well. So, um, and and that's because they're developing as a squad and and time is coming. So you look at Patrick and Michael uh, Duffy, for example, Patrick McElhenney, There's probably eight league titles between the two of them sitting there on, on your stands and bench. And when when games are tough, you need to turn to those players to turn. Colin Wheeler is nearly a bigger one, Vinny, is he? Um, yeah, I think, I think they lack, um, and it's not to be critical of McGonagall or, or a keen cabinet. There was a couple of times last night where the ball flashes across the middle of the box. And I think if you have a center forward of note, um, he makes, certainly makes a better run to create something from him. It looked like, I think for all the possession last night, and he had a lot of it. And, and so just come away from Derry for a second is that. There's a lot of possession and passing for past sake. I've mentioned this before, and I, 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 you, you obviously watch the league really closely, Johnny, and probably don't agree with me, which is which is fine. But we sometimes you got to have a bit of cutting edge in the final third, and you know it, it, it's wrong to take last night's game in isolation. But but neither keeper made a real save of note in Vinny, the game. Vinny, I had my match report written at seventy minutes. Like I was like, Derry have not a hope in hell of scoring here. Like they were literally creating nothing. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's um, where you look at a team like Sligo Rovers struggling. Um, I haven't seen the stats in the last couple of weeks, and I, I mentioned stats, and I'm not really a stats man, but they they probably outside of Rovers, I think they've made more passes than anyone else in the league. And I'm sure if you ask the Sligo Rovers fans, stop making a few passes around the back and get it into the box. And while that sounds old-fashioned, and I'd like to think I'm not, I think we've got to come up with a hybrid. And last night was a pretty stale game, and Maybe that's more to the point of Rory's Friday Monday, where you can't be too fresh. Rovers looked a little bit tired and uh, leggy in the first twenty-five minutes, and the goal went their way. So, um, we, we've got to see. Like, look, you think of someone like Pahoven, he's a bit of a throwback um, to the to the old style sort of centre forward, but we're probably lacking that. And Derry, I'm certainly lacking someone like that to put the chances away. Pico Lopez pick up man of the match as well uh, solid performance from He's him last night outstanding, outstanding yeah. Yeah. good to see and um, from an Irish perspective oh, sorry can I just pick I, I was a bit Pico Lopez has probably been the best centre half in the last couple of years and not Conley but it's funny it's funny how you know we all have different opinions last night I just thought he was a little bit off for his, his highest standards which is strange but there you go is this the one I won with McGonagall or well yeah there was a couple of 
instance, he kicked the ball out of play for a corner as well. He did. And he just didn't look settled as much as, as I've seen him before. And there was a little bit of that in the Bulls game. But as I said, I think Pigo Lopez has been a standing centre-half for the last number of years. And he's a real organiser. But it's he, funny how he, people he, have different views against Yeah, I, I just thought he was, I think, but well, he was fresh from playing Morocco in front of 50,000 people. Yeah. And all the Moroccan. And, and like, he, I thought he, I, Vinny is right now. He did, like, he kicked the ball inexplicably out of play. But I just think Rovers look so much better when he's there. Um, there we go. Yeah, yeah. solid. Uh, from an Irish perspective, Vinny, Nathan Collins and Darrow Shea look likely for, for Premier League action next season. So uh, Brentford, of course, for, for Nathan Collins, we're waiting to see that uh, is likely to be a record Irish transfer fee if and when it is uh, concluded and uh, Darrow Shea joining Burnley and uh, of course under the tutelage of, of Vincent Company who was a decent defender himself back in the day so uh, two good moves Yeah you would say on paper they're good moves um, my big concern about looking at the sort of the Irish squad coming out the last window is our next game in September the, the challenge we have is and it's, it's part of Stephen's problem is where do these guys go like Nathan Collins we thought on paper was it was a perfect move from the Wolves last year and um, for whatever reason change of manager it didn't work out for him so we, we have got a lot of players in that window of so to, you look at Troy Parrott what's his next move Where what do Spurs do with him Jason Knight is still at Derby and, and we, we look in sort of green tinted glasses and we go Jason Knight's a great player and he should be in this level and that was nobody's really come in from him and you would imagine if there was good money on the table Derby wouldn't turn it down from so We've got so many players that um, are at crossroads continuously in, in their careers, and it, it's a big, big sort of summer for a lot of Irish players. You look at Josh Cullen, and people will say, "What a move! He's now a Premiership player. Burnley's worked out for him." But how is that going to go from? So, um, do, do Burnley struggle in the first couple of weeks, and did he take him out and go for someone more physical? So, there's a lot of these moving parts. And um, a lot of our Irish players are, are in, a, in a sort of crossroads of where the next move is. So it's really interesting watching. I think um, we can only cross our fingers and hope that those moves go through and the likes of Troy Parrott and Obafemi end up playing games of football and give the manager sort of headaches of with 14 players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vinny, great stuff as always. Thanks, Millie, for hopping on this morning. Cheers, thanks man. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Two minutes past nine on this Tuesday morning at 2pm, we should mention as well. Man, man City, of course, submitting a bid for Declan Rice from West Ham last night. That news, of course, to, to rival uh, the Arsenal bids and uh, the Athletic reporting this morning as well. Spurs are closing in on a deal for James Madison uh, from Leicester. Clubs are still in talks, an agreement expected to be reached this week. So we'll keep an eye on that, of course, and hopefully get a, a deal or no deal episode in the books for you sometime this week to just uh, push ahead with those uh, transfers. Mason Mount to Manchester being another that uh, remains to be seen if it will go through OTBM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave all your money back Neon Night Edition available now uh, here are some highlights on the OTB Podcast Network coming up for you across today we've got the football pod with the lads digesting after the draw was made for the quarterfinals yesterday James O'Connor as well and Rugby Daily after the break we'll have the Cork Senior Football Manager John Cleary joining myself and Johnny you're listening to OTB AM. It's five past nine on this Tuesday morning's OTB AM. Uh, delighted to have you with us, as per usual, here until ten o'clock uh, with myself and Johnny Ward. Delighted to welcome to the show this morning the Cork Senior Football Manager, John Cleary. Morning, John. How are things? Good, thanks, Ian. Good, very good. Thanks for hopping on. It is very good, I'm sure, after the, <laughs> the weekend's result. I mean, 70, what, 74th, 75th minute? I don't know what's going through your head, but um, when Ross Common holding on to that ball, John, you must be thinking, oh, this is... 
this has uh, either extra time or a Roscommon one point win written all over it but you managed to get the ball back one more, one more time and the rest I suppose is history yeah absolutely yeah it was it was really a roller coaster there in the end um, they had the ball we had the ball they had the ball and um, I suppose you were half looking at extra time but look we know from you know the last, past few weeks there these games go right down to the last kick so that's that's what actually happened the last day. So we were delighted to come out on, on the right side of it. Other times you mightn't. To have taken the, these scalps this year as well, uh, like it feels like you've come a long way as a team since the game against Dublin, say for example, in the in, in the All Ireland quarter final, um, like an eleven point defeat. It just feels like this is a completely different, experienced Cork team that that have taken a couple of Division One scalps this year. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose look, last year wasn't wasn't the best year, and there was a lot of reasons for that. I think you know. You know, just starting off, we 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 was coming out of COVID. We were there was a new management team in, and um, you know, lads, we just couldn't get off the ground. Remember, at the start of it, even getting together, we couldn't be in the same room together. The first matches we went to, everyone had to drive separately, so it was very very hard to get the get get the whole camp going and you know get across what what everyone wanted to do. And, um, you know, three quarters way through the league, we were really struggling. And, and, um, then manager Keith got sick. And, uh, but we, for the rest of the season, it was a case of just trying to steady the ship. And, you know, we, we, even though we got beaten by 10 points by Kerry, we felt we competed with them in the championship. Um, you know, for 45, 50 minutes and the same with Dublin. And I think last year, even though we were well beaten, coming away from that, there was a bit of hope there that if we could get a big off-season, good pre-season and hit the ground running, that we could make progress this year. And I think maybe that's that's what's happened this year, really. I think you spoke after the game as well, John, at the weekend about um, the occasion and how Cork football fans have been missing those kind of occasions. And, and when you have like 14,000, 15,000-odd people in, in Porky Cueve with an atmosphere like it, it, it was brilliant to see. And not only that, but on the pitch as well, you go 7-3 behind, you come back from that, and then when Roscommon comes storming back from, from five points down to equalise and all the momentum is with them, you must be impressed by, by I guess, the mentality of your team that you managed to still squeeze it over the line. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, look, I think we, we had a good league We in in that we had some very good high-pressure games and you know, the way the league was this year, it, it, it was really, for us, we might not have been in the Championship so it it really got us used to playing these high pressure type games, and um, I think then when it when it, we did qualify for the championship, I think we were a bit battle hardened and ready to go, and and we knew that if we got into these close matches and under pressure, we had the experience there with this group of of doing that in the league, and um, look every every game that we played this year in in the championship has been a one score game. So, you know, that's that's coming down the stretch. We have that bit of experience. Um didn't go for us against Kerry. But look, we had the got over the line against the against Lout and Mayo and against Roscommon the last day. So I do think what what we went through in the league has definitely helped us. And uh, you know, to be in the game going into the last five minutes, I think we have a fair idea maybe how to do it. Maybe we mightn't get over the line every time, but but I think we know how how to close out games if the opportunity arises. Yeah, John. That like I know the beauty of sport is just things happen that you're not expecting, and you have to deal with them. Then, but that must that must really matter a lot. That in ex- that experience of constant, constant tight games and not panicking when it gets there. Yeah, I I do think so. Um, I think 
the games we lost this year, you know, against Lout and against Meath uh, in the league, against Dublin, against Clare in the championship, um, they were all close games coming down the stretch and we didn't get over the line and we didn't manage them well. So I think we sat back and, and looked at the learnings from that and I think we've put them into into play there in the in the games that we have closed out. So you know, in the in this championship, it's a game of inches. You know, we see all the games the weekend came down to the very last play in a lot of cases the weekend before exactly the same. And so we're we're just trying to envisage that before we we go out to keep ourselves in the game there right up to the last five minutes and then try and put the experience we've had there into play. And look, sometimes it works. Sometimes the other team has the the same experience, and 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 we don't get there. But at least if you put yourself in that position, you have a chance. And that's all we ask the lads to put themselves put themselves in a position to have a chance going in down the stretch. And and you know sometimes it works out, sometimes it it doesn't. And look, the last couple of days we've had the the bit of luck in the, in, in those situations. It's a long way from Killanen to Cork. So what's the crack with Kevin Walsh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, look. Um, like Kevin is a great coach, and um, I suppose look when I was appointed last year, um, I picked up the phone to Kevin, and we just developed a relationship over a number of weeks, and then you know, thanks be to God, he agreed to to come on board. And uh, a number of know, weeks, so it took a while. <laughs> well, I, I suppose look. I'd say he was always mad for road and and he's proved that since. But, uh, you know, logistically, he had to get maybe one or two things in in order. And once he did, you know, the football part, I I think, as anyone that knows Kevin, is is what he's excellent at and what he's very good at. And, um, you know, once he was on board in just just hook, line and sinker and, and, you know, he's he's made an enormous contribution to to our setup this year, yeah. How so? I suppose you know he he has his own unique way of of coaching. He has his own unique way of getting his message across. Uh, he's very good with the lads. You know, I think everyone has bought into him. He's a very affable, personal people's person. And uh, you know, when he needs to crack the whip, he does. And you know, he's just blended in with the group excellently well. Blended in with the management group excellently well. And. You know, for all those reasons, look, we're we're delighted to have him on board, and I think he has made an enormous difference, an enormous contribution to our setup. Feels like John strength and depth, and and having a, a depth of talent on the bench is is crucial to to hit that, take that next step that you guys seem to have have taken this year. Like even look at the the, the team of the weekend. Kevin O'Donovan scores the winning point, comes off comes off the bench. Connor Corbett uh, with the only goal. Chris O'Jones scored a couple of points, I think, as well when when he came off the bench. Uh, and you meant, you've mentioned the league a couple of times uh, as as important in developing players. I think you used twenty seven different players and or gave them game time certainly over the over the course of the league. So has that been has that been a priority for you from the start of the year to to develop that strength and depth a little bit? Oh yes, absolutely. I suppose look when we sat down at the start of the year as a management group and looked at our program, you know we realised look it was from the first of January it was McGrath Cup the league into the Monster Championship, into the All-Ireland Series. And, you know, we realised there that there was going to be probably injuries and loss of form and different things along the way. So we needed to have a, as big a group as possible. And that's what we set out to do. Um, now, that doesn't come with its with its difficulties as well in that you're trying to keep maybe 27 or 8 
maybe players are up to 30 players happy and you know a lot of them maybe not getting game time and, and getting frustrated but in fairness look the lads have seen what we were trying to do and 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 they've you know some lads haven't even got game time yet and they've put in an enormous effort um so that's that's what we had looked at at the start of the season we're going to lose players along the way and we felt we had that there's a good panel and a pool of players that needed to come in if it, if needs be and that's what's happening at the moment as i said we have a few injuries and the guys down along the line you know they're getting the reward now for the huge effort they put in all the all the, all the, the winter really and the spring and and i think any team there you know particularly when we had to go through the preliminary quarter final three weeks in a row is fairly attritional um so you do need a panel and you know guys are stepping up to the the, the play for us and and thanks to god that's happening you know what's it like in at this stage on because like uh, the snc all the fitness work presumably like you know that you've built up your reservoir here but like what's coaching like in the madness of this kind of schedule well i suppose it's it's really tweaking from week to week and you know we we have things we want to do and some things work out and some things don't. And we just have a look, you know, back after the Sunday, you know, what has went right, what has went wrong, the things that have went wrong. We try to work on them again for the next, um, the next, the next weekend coming. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's fairly hectic. All right. Because you, you know, we had only a really, you know, a six day turnaround last week. And, and so it's, 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 it's not easy. But having said that, look, it's the same for the opposition. And, you know, uh, at least we were at home last week, which meant that, you know, if we were away, it meant travelling on the Friday. So all those, that small thing might have made the difference mm-hmm. in a one-point game last Saturday. But um, the games are great, as players like to play games. And uh, once it's the same for everyone, uh, possibly it's a bit different now this weekend in that uh, we're third week in a row. They're the reward for winning their group. Had a week off last week, and it, it, it'll remain to be seen now for the weekend what, what what advantage that will be for the teams that are that made it straight into the quarterfinal. But it is hectic. You go back the first day, you look back at the what you did the week before, and then it's head down to prepare for the next opposition for the next few days. Um, and you don't get an awful lot of time in that. You don't have the players all day, every day, and you just get the couple of hours, couple of times a week. So you've got to cram everything into those. Uh, few hours but it's hectic but it's enjoyable if you're winning um, you, you, you have had a couple of injury concerns as well uh, Johnny No, Brian Hurley for example Cahal O'Mahony Sean Meehan um, and Brian Hurley I suppose being being one of these injuries that uh, really, really hits your forward line but of course of the weekend you still managed to perform and, and uh, put over good scores um, will Brian be back for, for the weekend do you reckon how's his hamstring yeah, that's fifty-fifty. Now we we'll we'll go into training now and 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 see what the medics say, see what Brian says himself. So look, we we really won't know until 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 the end of the week, really. Um, do you do you lads uh, like? There's a lot of talk about the provincial championships, and I know Cork haven't won. Well, next year I guess will be twelve years since since your last Munster championship. Is the focus now completely switched away from from the provincials to the to I guess the league and the and the All Ireland series? I'm not so sure. Um, you know, we, we took them as, you know, we had four competitions this year. First one was the McGrath Cup. And, you know, when you're in that, you're taking it seriously. And the league obviously was very serious because your 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 your, your championship dictated that. But um, 
after the league finished, we really concentrated on the on the Munster Championship because we just wanted to make sure we were in the in the Sam Maguire. Um, it didn't it didn't go for us. We had a, a poor result against Clare, and uh, it left us scratching our heads for a few weeks um, to know where we were going to end up. And we were looking at games around the, the country at that stage. And um, look, thankfully, we made it into the Sam Maguire then. But I think. You know, we were taking the provincials very serious. We were, this year we were very disappointed that we didn't get to, you know, to a monster final. And um, so I think from that point of view, and we would always, you know, love to be playing Kerry. We were due to play them in Clarny this year if we got to a monster final, but that didn't happen. So I think definitely there's a place, there has to be a place for the provincial championships. But um, whether, whether you keep the same format um, going forward, I, I'm not so sure because, um, you know, game after game after game, every Sunday something has to give. And I think things need to be tweaked a small bit. And, and, and particularly at this time of the year, if you could get even, you know, an extra week between games, I think, you know, the quality might be better. I think it would be easier and amateur players as well. Um, but I think overall the system, I think, is is moving towards maybe what what, what should be ideal. But I possibly not there yet and I think definitely a bit of tweaking needs to be done with it Just, just finally for me John I remember it's 10 years now since Galway played Cork Michael Meehan scored an unbelievable goal and it was kind of a sporting tragedy that Michael Meehan didn't win All-Ireland with Galway I think that was his last championship game but what struck me that day was that um you know, Cork is this great county, over half a million people, loads of people living in Dublin as well. They just don't give, they don't give a rat's arse about the footballers by and large. And like 14,000 or whatever in Parky Cueve, a lot of Roscommon people. Like, I, I've always felt for Cork players, it must be, it must be tough to see the indifference. And I know it's more of a hurling county in some respects, but I presume it's 60 quid return on the train. I'm sure people will be able to put Cork fans up in Dublin. I presume it would mean a lot if they actually turned up and gave them some support because Derry are going to get a lot of people in Crow Park. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we're we thrilled with our core support. You know, they're there with us all the time. And um, look, we've been, you know, we need we need that support. You know, when, when things go wrong, the critics seem to come out of everywhere, really, you know. And um, but when, you know, even last Sunday week, it, in Limerick, we were well outnumbered by um, by the Mayo supporters. But um, you know, after the game, now there was there was a great feel good factor for both the management and the players when you know all the supporters there came on the field and and you know were part of the team and they were our hardcore supporters. And in fairness, in in Parky Keeve, um last weekend, there was um, there was there was fantastic support and they were very vocal. And there was there was the there was a great atmosphere even talking to the lads after it was probably the first time ever that uh, a lot of a lot of the players had actually um encountered that atmosphere you know in a cork shirt and and look the only way i presume we can get more people to go and to travel is to you know keep putting up performances keep giving 100% every day and i think that's what supporters want um look probably most of our core supporters in west cork which is Sixty miles away from the from the city, it's 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 probably a four hour trip to, to to Dublin. So it's 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 not easy for a lot of them. But look, we would be thrilled if if we can get any bit of support, uh, you know, to travel there next next Sunday because you know even in a close game like 
like we had against Roscommon and Parkiki the last day, I think that support probably was maybe the difference with us getting over the line. And particularly when they were so vocal and got behind the team coming up, the, coming down the, the home straight. Um, and the only way, as I said, that we can grow the support is, is to keep, you know, um, giving performances and, and, and giving a hundred percent and hopefully get back to the day. Even when I was playing there, eight, late eighties, nineties, you know, regularly we were taking thousands upon thousands to, to, to Croke Park and like the old adages, look, you know, the supporters will, will, will get on and, and follow a successful team and, you know, until we get to that, maybe we just have to bide our time, but hopefully gain a few <clears throat> every every week we go out and 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 get it up to a stage where where it was back in in the eighties and nineties, and that would be fantastic again. Absolutely, build it, and they will come. One forty five uh, p.m. on Sunday, John. Listen, uh, just the Ulster champions stand between yourselves and the the last four of the All Ireland series. So best of luck at the match of the weekend, and uh, as you say, hopefully a big big uh, Cork support. So uh, all the best for the match. Yeah, thanks, no problem. Great stuff, John Cleary there, the uh, Cork senior football boss. Looking forward to that game, actually. Like, you forget it. Oh, that's, uh, that's before the doubleheader with the Dublin Mayo uh, match as well. Uh, sorry, I didn't mention that. If you're a Cork fan, like, and uh, I, I genuinely think these lads put so much effort in. Mm. I think if you can't be arsed going to a game all year, but you're watching on the telly, at least make an effort to try and get up there Sunday and you get a doubleheader as well. Like, yeah. The second game's going to be phenomenal. Like, give out what you like about the GAA I think the ticketing is perfectly fair um, Aaron Rotheran is now doing like really really good value tickets 60 quid return I know I know there's a cost of living and whatever but like if you haven't supported Cork all year and if you do live in Dublin particularly give them some support and then you have this brilliant game afterwards because it won't be any fear for Monaghan anyway you, your supporters are phenomenal like, like yeah. absolutely phenomenal and Cork, Cork people think they're great and all that but they're seriously <laughs> bandwagon fans as well at times like and Cork footballers like the, the players the first time they ever experienced it as a Cork player the first time ever was against Roscommon and that no. was in Parky Guive in, right. in a knockout game so like I think whatever your, your views are on where Gaelic football isn't that this is a Cork team that's very likeable and give them some support at least once a year yeah because there's no as you said there's, there's no danger of Derry fans not being there in droves on Sunday they will no, be no like, they, like the Derry sport against Galway last year the game I was, was phenomenal but like I do I do think of if you're a player that's humming or hawing about committing for the next year and if the fans can't be arsed showing up to, to watch it from, from your own city like um, it, it does kind of sway a bit and this is a really really likeable Cork team they deserve to be supported on Sunday yeah for sure fascinating to see as well how the M1 holds up on uh, on Saturday evening, and like you've got Derry, or sorry, you've got Tyrone, Armagh, and Monaghan fans heading up and down in the same on the same road. So that uh, that toll on the M1 is going to be fairly chock a block, I'd imagine. So who, who are the maddest like fans of those three? Like Armagh, Armagh, Tyrone, or Monaghan? Oh, the most yeah. raucous, the most raw, the most pick like your pick there. Well, the, the Armagh Gowis quarterfinal last year was fairly that was some intense. Crack. A lot of Armagh fans at that the, one. The, like the noise is unbelievable. Yeah, I'd probably probably put Armagh at the top of that. Maybe. Obviously, yeah. modern fans, I'm going to say, are I'm biased and think they're the best fans of the country. But like, Armagh fans, maybe it's the orange as well stands out that you're, yeah. you're like. Well, oh, the colours of yeah. that game! Yeah. Like, obviously, it was an amazing game. The colours made like it's like the Clare hurling team at the moment. The colour that they're bringing to matches is just like it's a spectacle in itself. Not yeah. the standard the hurling, but um, I know Galway out the football, but. N- Apart from that, this is a hell of a last eight. Unreal. And, and the ninth best team in Monaghan. <laughs> Apparently. 24 minutes past nine on this Tuesday morning's OTBM. And uh, we're heading to something slightly different. Looking forward to this. We have the uh, former Italian international, the rugby international, Marco Bergamasco. And uh, Brie Breen, who's the, uh, the PRO of the Nantes GA Club in France, joining us on the line. We will explain in just a second. Uh, Marco and Brie, good morning. How are things? 
Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for hopping on. I think. Thanks very much for, for taking the call. Uh, Mirko, explain to us what's going on here. So uh, we all remember your, your career with Italy and uh, many battles with Ireland in the Six Nations uh, over the years, but um, you've turned your attention to, to Gaelic Games and, and the world of GEA now. Yeah, it was it was great. It was uh, I was in a, during an interview in a, in the radio in Nantes, and I I met uh, the president of uh, JA Nantes club, and um, we talked together, and uh, we the the connection was uh, very very fast, and uh, he said to me, uh, "Won't you try to to come to to play uh, Gaelic food, uh, Gaelic soccer?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I can." And uh, I trained September, and uh, I love it. I love it, and uh, it was great because uh, when I arrived in this group, the group uh, um, it was it was very funny. It was very uh, available with me, with uh, very patient, very patient because because when you don't you don't know to play, uh, you didn't know to play. Uh, is is important that uh, the guys around you is very patient, mm. and uh, I wanted to find something that. Uh, Different from rugby, and uh, but with a little bit of contact, but in the same time, not too much. <laughs> and uh, I want to find uh, something that's funny, and I find that was uh, was a, a great uh, a great compromise uh, with uh, what I search. And it's important for me to do something different of rugby for for my mind. So what, it was great. What what position do you play? Are you a forward, defender, midfielder? <laughs> Defender, 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 so, right? Yeah, with my my uh, physical skills, <laughs> if you want, <laughs> they prefer me because uh, uh, I, I my my apt was with uh, with the rugby ball and the uh, uh, round ball was a bit, little bit different, so uh, was difficult for me in the beginning to to use the, this ball, but uh, because different pass different kick so I had uh, the time of the adaptation and uh, so in, in defense was very good because uh, physically I was present and uh, it's important for me to understand all the rules uh, Bree, how, how did this all uh, materialise for you how do you end up as the PRO of the Nantes GA club I'm sure it's not something you ever expected to be to be uh, tasked <laughs> with I suppose um, no I actually came over about eight years ago and um, initially was just supposed to stay for eight eight months so I've been here eight years um, and I actually joined back in like 2016 just joined the Gaelic football team because I was kind of missing a little bit of that camaraderie and having teammates and having something to do kind of outside of just uh, going for a run on my own so yeah and I, I avoided it also just because um, I was like oh I, I need to improve my French I, I'm going to only see Irish people on this team I won't speak any French and then I was like oh look I'll go when I got there and I was like, am I the only Irish person? So it actually worked out pretty well for me because, <laughs> um, yeah, at the very beginning, there were like no other Irish people. There was one Irish guy um, every now and then. And then the last couple of years, like we've had a couple of Irish people. But um, yeah. And then basically over the years, then just been a bit more integrated into the club and helping with the com- communication side of things. And So what kind what kind are you from yourself, please? I'm from Wexford. All oh, right. So yeah. obviously the football side of Wexford as opposed to the hurling side. Or a bit, um, a bit of both. Bit of both. <laughs> Breed is like, can can Mirko play hurling maybe next week? Uh, <laughs> Breed, you've actually modelled your hair on Mirko as a player as well, which is yeah. I, was, I literally was thinking that myself. They're going to think I'm copying him, but. <laughs> 
What, what was your thought process when you heard this is going to happen? Mirk, like Bergamasco, everyone who, I'm, I'm only a floating rugby fan vote. I know Bergamasco. Everyone in Ireland knows Bergamasco before he became Irish. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I mean, when, um, when Matthew, our president, like when he came to training, he was like, yeah, I think like, uh, you know, I was speaking to Mirko and uh, he really hit, like really hit it off. So um, he might be coming next week. And then we were all just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is pretty cool. Like, and it's, it's been great, like having him a, a part of the club. And um, I have to say, like having him a part of the club has helped us as well, get the club known in within Nantes. Um, and so, yeah, and I'm glad that he's really enjoying it because it's um, like, I mean, I love Gaelic football. And, I love the cardio behind it. Love the bit of rug- ruggery I get beside it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mad, Mirko. So, like, you would have played some club rugby with with Stade Francais and, and Racing Metro in in France. So you're you're well used to being in that region. But um, this this is so random. Like, I can't get my I can't get my head around this. So, it, so it, is it just? Are you keeping up your fitness? Or is it that, that you want to get to a certain level of Gaelic football, or, or what's your your ultimate ambition with it? I guess. No, I like to find, uh, to find or uh, to try the other sports. And, uh, and there was a case that I find uh, the president Matthew in, uh, during a radio interview. And, uh, I want to try that. I want to try and, and, and enjoy that and enjoy when I, I did my first, uh, my first training it was, uh, was amazing. And, uh, yeah, sure is, uh, I'm 40 years old. So I need to, to stay fit because I'm coach. So when you're a coach, you have to, to show the, the, your player that uh, you are, you are fit too. And uh, then the, when you ask to add to your player to, to stay fit, to stay uh, focused on, on the rugby, on the, on the, your, um, his, uh, his skills, on all the things you, you answer to, to the, to the player, you have to show the, the example. So, uh, uh, I wanted to find something different. Uh, and, uh, and uh, when it was uh, in other city, I try other things like uh, Spartan race. So I don't know. I, I play, uh, I play uh, tennis or other things. In Nantes, I find uh, this uh, fabulous sport. So if the first time I didn't find uh, a great uh, this sport, I didn't, I didn't do. So so for me, it was easy. Uh, I want to try. I enjoy. I continue. But it's, in Nantes, it's easy because uh, the group is is great. Is a is a is a, a great a great group of friends that play together and uh, all the guys is uh, all the guys and and the girl are available with everyone. Uh, you can talk easy. You can uh, ask uh, the uh, the guys answer you mm. uh, when you don't know the rules. Uh, the guys explain exactly what is this. So it's, uh, it's, it's too easy so it's, uh, it was just uh, funny to, to to go every time in the training and it, it was great to to play a, a, a championship uh, during the during the, during the year so it was uh, it was a uh, simply great are you a bit different Mirko? because i think you're you've played a bit of rugby league as well i think you've been uh, am i right in saying you've been vegan for the last 10 years which mustn't be that easy in france and you're also involved in animal rights stuff yeah, yeah, it was was very easy for for me. But vegan is not something uh, uh, very difficult, you know. When you understand what it is, uh, you, you find everything you need uh, uh, for for the competition during the day in uh, in, in your life. And uh, and uh, maybe you're the to, first to vegan Gaelic football player ever, actually. 
I don't think so. I don't think so because uh, you are there is there are many many sport guys that is vegan. Sometimes uh, you don't know because they don't say. But uh, you have a lot of uh, guys in in uh, in the team in Nantes. You have a, a lot of vegetarian. So it's no far, and uh, so it's great. And uh, when I, I saw that, that uh, I think you have uh, ten people, ten people in in, in the team, uh, uh, boys and girls. Uh, you have ten ten guys that uh, are vegetarian. Wow. So, so I think I think if you ask to the in Ireland to ask some player, I'm sure they are vegan vegetarian. Um, Marco, you, uh, presumably, like you, you were a, you were a strong place kicker in rugby uh, throughout your career, so. I'm guessing the kicking in Gaelic football maybe has come a little bit okay for you, but what's which skills do you find particularly difficult, like the solo or the fist pass or? Uh, but the pass because sometimes I, I pass like in in rugby, but I use you know one one hand hold the ball and the other give the the, the kick with the hand, but uh, uh, sometimes I do the, the same pass of 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 rugby, but I use his hand that. Uh, um, kick the ball, but uh, the referee thinks that they do a rugby pass, so they whistle me and say, "No, you can't do that." But I say that use that uh, that hand. They say, "No, no, no." Okay. So sometimes uh, the the referee whistle me, so it was difficult to do a different uh, different. Give uh, us an impression uh, of your hand pass, sir. <laughs> Show us how you hand pass. Yeah, yeah. But normally, you know, I, I hold all the, the ball with the desk and kick on that. That's right. And, perfect. Uh, perfect. Yeah, I know, but uh, sometimes uh, Irish referees say me, no, you pass like a, a rugby, rugby, rugby pass. So the, okay, okay, then I understand. I try to do a, a different pass. No, I'm joking, but was uh, was was great. Is uh, and uh, the kicking was a little bit difficult because uh, when you use a uh, uh, no round ball, but something different. Uh, my, my power when I was a rugby player was uh, kick the post, so the the ball was. Uh, on the ground and they kicked the ball. So it was easy. But one that my ball was in the mover uh, is a little bit different for me. So I not in, in rugby is the same. Was was the same. I, I was not very good in the um uh, kicking the movement. So uh, so in Gaelic football I, I had some uh, some difficult on that. On the beginning after in the in the end of the season was much better. Well you'll get used to it no doubt. Um so before we let you guys go, the the non GA club founded in two thousand and six. I know you guys would would take part in, in European games. I think there's a there is an, a tournament as well upcoming in July in in Owenbeg and Derry. So like, do you guys partake in all these tournaments across the continent, or how does it work? Yeah, so basically um, within France there are two championships. So we have the kind of the Brittany championships and then we have the French championships. And then there's also, um, so not we participate within the Brittany championship and then also the French championship because there's it's slightly different between men and women because the men's teams, there's a lot more men's teams across France. So they have a lot more matches, a bit more of like similar to in Ireland um, in the fact that they have, uh, you know, one match day and they play just like away in a, a home game. Whereas with women's, because there's not as many teams and it's still in development, we do more so like a day per month, um, a tournament. So we play like all day long, nine to six, have about four, five, six matches in the day. And yeah, and so um, we've been, you know, every year we have those championships. And then we also literally two weeks ago, um, the club in Nantes, we actually had our French championship finals take place in Nantes. So 
that was like a big feat for the club because, mm. you know, we were welcoming like 500 players plus supporters from all over France. Um, and so we had uh, three different stadiums and stadiums um, like pitches. And uh, yeah, so we had to like get in like we had like Irish dancers come and we had like uh, Irish music and had those tournaments all day long. So that was like a big, um, a big thing for the club. And so that was amazing. And then actually there's about 20 or more players who are actually heading over to Owen Beg for the World Games uh, from Nantes. So that's pretty awesome. Mm. And there's a few girls who are on the and a few guys on the Brittany team a few of them on the French team. And then actually some, they've actually been some of the girls on the, on our team uh, kind of formulated a team with uh, some girls from other clubs to be the European team. So yes, yeah, so we have a good mix of uh, players heading over for that. And I think they're really excited. Like it's kind of the, the big games for them. I mean, it's their, it's our world cup for the, for people out foreign. Brilliant. No, it's amazing to see the, the club going to, uh, from strength to strength for sure. Finally, Mirko, before I let you go, I have to ask you about the, the rugby world cup, uh, disappointing six nations for Italy, but uh, a tough group as well awaits New Zealand, France, Uruguay, Namibia. How do you think the Italians will fare at the rugby world cup? Uh, we, well, will be a tough, tough job because, uh, when you play against New Zealand, France, uh, the best team in the, in the, in the world, it's difficult to find, uh, to find, to, to arrive in the first two place. But, uh, the important thing is, uh, to, with this group is, is a very young group. So it's important to arrive third in the, in the, in the pool. Because if you arrive third, you are accept directly on the next World Cup. And I think with this group, you need, uh, four years more to prepare the next because, uh, they are young and they are very talented and they need, uh, they need much time for, for, for find a, a good, uh, a good, um, connection. And, uh, I'm sure that, uh, in, in four years will be a very different uh, form today. But, uh, the important thing is Uruguay and Namibia is not easy, but, uh, the group of, the, of Italy today is very strong. So I think the, this third place will be a, a great, a great, a great result. Absolutely. Well, listen, Mirko, keep going with the Gaelic football. We, we'll follow your journey and your story and uh, with Nantes as well, uh, Breed. Thanks a million for hopping on the two of you this morning. Thank you. Brilliant stuff. Thank you too. Thanks, guys. Chat you soon. You too. Mirko Bergamasco and uh, Brie Breen there from... I tell you one thing, Shane. Mirko's not having Shane Walsh kicking that... Uh, miss free off out of his hands Mirko's like put the ball on the ground yeah, have the wind yeah. uh, I will score this and Galway are through to the last eight um, but Mirko wasn't in Pear Stadium on, wasn't. on Sunday um, maybe we'll see him in Croke Park yet if he keeps uh, climbing the ladder he's only he's only 40 he's still a young man what a, what a character like, brilliant an absolute legend yeah it's amazing um, to see it. and, and as Spreed said like such a boost for not GA club to have someone like Mirko oh. with his profile to, to <laughs> kind of <laughs> come on do interviews like Imagine this you, you show up at training and you're that's <laughs> yeah, and then you like to tell the last the WhatsApp group, and they're like, "Never guess okay, you're whatever." The yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, 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 go back to the bar. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's phenomenal. Yeah, amazing stuff, Johnny. Great stuff as always. Thanks, Shane. On this uh, Tuesday morning's OTBM, uh, joining us on tomorrow's show will be myself and Adrian. We're live with Alison Miller's rugby depth chart. We have more GN football talk, of course, after the weekend that was, and looking ahead to the quarterfinals this weekend, and plenty more besides. Right now, though, Colin Boyle and Darren O'Sullivan uh, on the weekend's Gaelic football and uh, the draw that was made yesterday morning for those quarterfinals. Have a terrific Tuesday. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.